rise and shine. Googans, go Tom on a Thursday morning. It's a custom tree surgeons Thursday. We are one week away from the opening round of players. That's exciting. We're going to talk some golf today. One of the best drill guests. We had a drill guest Hall of Fame. My man Steve Sands with NBC and the Golf Channel uh, would be first ballot. And so the Sandman will join us uh, coming up a little bit later this morning, 9 o'clock. We have that scheduled. Ooh, news percolating at the Combine. Man, that escalated quickly. Yesterday, we're talking about could there be some sort of involvement and and potential issues with Jalen Carter, perhaps the top prospect in the draft at the Combine. Perhaps he could be linked in some way after, I believe it was the Atlanta Journal-Constitution came out with a story that on the night of a tragic accident that killed a Georgia staffer and injured a a couple of players, that perhaps Jalen Carter was street racing her at the time and then left the scene of the accident and then came back and then gave conflicting reports and some, you know, you know, not so straightforward answers to some of the questions, right? So that's where we left you yesterday. That that story kind of lingering out there. What do we have to to corroborate here? Could it potentially lead to charges? And lo and behold, later that same day in Athens, charges filed in a fatal crash, charged with racing. So Jalen Carter, who I, I did see on social media, put out a, a statement that he would be addressing these things more specifically uh, later. He'll go back to Athens and and answer. Uh, he made sure to, to uh, pronounce these misdemeanor charges, but uh, so many ramifications here, but really first and foremost, listen, let, let's don't be naive about the beat will go on in college football. There will be no some, there won't be some un- erasable stain on Georgia. No, by the middle of October, we'll be talking about the rankings and who's playing how. But as to the the NFL prospect, Jalen Carter, and maybe just an overall life lesson, people in general, this happens to be a football player at a university, but man, as a society, we got to help people, man. We got to, I mean, when, when, when terribly tragic things go wrong, we got to man up, step up, and help. Do the right thing. I don't know the complete situation of the accident report and the timing of of either the fatality or the other injuries, but, man, to see that happen and to drive off? Come on, man. That's an indictment on, on, on human character. Again, that's all across. That happened today somewhere in the listening area. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, it's, it just so happens in this case, person that's involved, has or had an awful lot at stake, and now a litmus test for the NFL, do they even care? Right? And I can understand both arguments. Certainly, Jalen Carter's not going to go undrafted. So if you draft him third overall despite this, do you care less than if some joker grabbed him in round three for, quote, value? It it was a, you know, it was it was definitely... A big development between this time yesterday and what we have this morning. Uh, meanwhile, the Jags uh, contingent, and and by that I mean our guys on the Frangie show, they've been manning it down in Indianapolis this week. They've had a couple of interesting guests along the way. You're going to hear from them this hour. 
Greg Cosell, friend of the program. We've had Greg on a number of times through the years. His position more as a quarterback evaluator, and he gives his explanations on just what happened with Trevor and why he made that huge jump. And then we will wait. I, again, um, Mia Koopa on some bad intel I gave you guys at the beginning of the week. The quarterbacks don't get measured and start their workouts until tomorrow. So perhaps even while we're on the air tomorrow morning, we'll we'll get that number that people want to hear around Bryce Young. And the deeper we get into the combine week, it's not just the height, it's the weight. We 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 had the stat. I can't remember what the stat is, but it's like either you're under six you're six feet and under one ninety. I think there's like no level of success. It's like an unprecedented position to be in. So um, I bring up Bryce Young specifically because Greg Cosell comments on the scuttlebutt he's hearing uh, around Bryce Young and the body type. That it does it take a certain. I mean, it, what is the what's the limit? Et, what's the limit, man? If you're a 170 pound dude, if you're five eleven and a half, 170 pounds, this ain't high school. This ain't major college football. These dudes are coming at you six six two ninety five, hungry. That's a yeah. That's a different ball game. That's the that's the worst hit you took in the SEC last year. The baddest A athlete in the SEC who hit you last year. You're gonna get eight or ten of that guy every play. And it's that's specifically for the quarterback position because there are guys that weight that that have that that size and that stature but play different positions. Well, you're right. It's, if you get to be, but in all honesty, if you're under six feet tall and under 170 pounds, you're not doing much more than being a punt returner. Right. Or There's a not many of those guys. Slot receiver. In fact, it's interesting. I'll look those numbers up here. Um, in fact, I'll do it in the break, and we'll kind of fashion it around what Greg Cosell said and some other issues up there. Um, Bucky Brooks, who we know from his work as a sideline guy here. He has, uh, has has roles with the Jaguars themselves, also the NFL Network. The gang caught up with him, and he gives his opinion on Calvin Ridley. And um, we'll have a little fun, man. If the brand is going to go off and provide us with semi-top-notch material, we're going to take advantage of it. So we've got... You, you, Oh, gosh, what's the guy's name? How uh, Frank Caliendo is most famous, right? The dude who does all the impressions. Listen, uh, as you get older, these things are generational. These impressions come along, and then the next one kind of pushes to the next one. So I don't know if Joey Molinaro is the next Frank Caliendo, but I have in front of him what we call in the business is we peel back the broadcast curtain for you. We have no pretense here. Let me tell you how it works. Got a little computer screen in front of me. Tells me what they got from up there at the Frangie show. It's labeled as quote, the best cuts of the Frangie show uh, ET. That sets a high bar. Now, not the good clips, not the, Hey, you might like these clips, the best cuts from the Frangie show. And they tell me that Joey Molinaro can do funny impersonations of Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, Ed Orgeron, Jim Irsay, and Chris Collinsworth. Do we devote the, as allotted here, two minutes and 26 seconds? Is he the next Frank Caliendo? Or did we just get some indie rube trying to do impressions? What an enticing question that you're going to uh, have to wait through the break for the answer. Hayes Carline is going to join us from the Combine this morning at 7.30. We'll cherry pick him a little bit, keep him about 10 minutes. And just got more, I think, focusing now in on not just what we heard the Jaguars contingent, and my contingent, I mean Balky and Peterson say, but also, you know, this is a great convention for the NFL. 
national and local writers from a ton of different markets. Just uh, what is, I, I can only imagine the difference in vibe there is around our Jacksonville Jaguars now as opposed to the past. And I've said all along, it's going to be really fun this offseason now to track power polls and quarterback rankings and talent under 25 and NFL top 100 and then preseason predictions. Would you be shocked, Emmanuel? Would you be shocked if over the course of that month of August when one after the other are rolling out their Super Bowl picks, uh, ESPN's 41 experts and CBS and... Uh, NFL Network and Yahoo, would you be shocked if someone somewhere along that uh, amassing of opinion won't pick the Jaguars to the Super Bowl? Yes, I would be shocked. You would be- if we don't get any votes, I'd kind of be shocked. Yeah, okay, that, that's yeah, exactly. I'd be shocked if we don't get any votes. If somebody, or just to, to, to sarcastically say, would you be shocked if we do get votes? No, I won't be shocked at all. Uh-uh, nope. I, somebody will. Now, I... I'm arrow up on the Jags, and when we get around, I mean, I'm the dude that had them ten and seven this year. So you can imagine the kind of kind of glee I'm going to check off W's when that schedule comes out here in a couple of months. Um, but even I am not ready to vault them over the Bengals and the Chiefs. Maybe by December we will be. Who knows, right? Who knows what happens in the league and what happens here uh, at home. There's just such a different feeling, though, isn't there? Just of comfort level of when we've been good in the past and whether that would last. I promise you this, 17 team went to the championship game, as we know. Gosh, they should have, could have, would have won at that New England. Miles Jack wasn't down. Still. And then they came back the next year, and they were 3-1. and one. They beat the Patriots here at home. There wasn't a part of you at all that didn't think we were in for a nice a run of success here, and then it just all imploded. Is there any way at all, with personnel intact, that this team comes out 3-1 and one and beats a Bengals or a Bills or a Chiefs, somebody that would be akin to the Patriots? Because they're likely going to face one of those dudes in the first four weeks. They got them all this year. San Francisco, my gosh, what a... What a great home schedule, first and foremost. We talked about ticket prices going up a little bit. Gee whiz, just based on the, the marquee... I don't have it in front of me, but I believe we play we play the Chiefs here. We play, I believe, the Bengals here. We play the 49ers here. Isn't there another one? Bills are on the road, I believe. Kansas City, San Francisco, the Bengals, the Ravens. Ravens, that's the other one. And then, of course, our uh, yeah. divisional match. Well, think about that, though, man. <laughs> the Bengals going to be rocking. What about that home sked? Point being, if we're sitting here in September, early October, and this Jaguars team is three and one, there ain't no way in hell they're going five and eleven, six and ten, whatever the total implosion of that seventeen unit ended up doing. No way. They're not going to London and eight dudes getting run out of a bar. That won't be happening this year on the London trip. There's certainly a security level blank. I got to do some vetting here in the break. I got to be honest. I'm going to go, and you're going to get my. Approved sense of humor, whether Joey Molinaro is the next Frank Caliendo uh, or not. So uh, stick around for that. I'm going to take you inside the Gator program this morning. Pat Dooley, um, stalwart, Mr. Hogtown. Kind of just the state of the union down there, man. The, the overall impressions of Todd Golden in year one for the basketball program. But I think more importantly, just kind of the state of things with that football program. Man, it has not been a stable offseason. 
between all the NIL issues and the black eye that that gave, some of it warranted, some of it unprobably, but nonetheless, the stain of the whole Rashada chaos, um, Billy Napier losing, you know, valuable puzzles in the in the coaching staff, puzzle pieces, valuable pieces. There, you lose your defensive coordinator, you lose your receivers coach who came very well uh, acclaimed. Well, we'll we'll talk with duels coming up uh, this morning at uh, eight o'clock. So, man, we're uh, loaded up, huh? Hayes Carline from the combine. We have. Uh, Pat Dooley from Gainesville and my man Steve Sands from the Golf Channel coming up in the 9 o'clock hour as uh, we look at this week's uh, schedule at, at Bay Hill. And there was big news came on the PGA Tour. I'll tell you what that uh, is when we come back on the other side. And a discovery I made about one of our favorite golfers. So we'll come back with that. We will uh, also let you hear, as I promised, from uh, Greg Cosell of NFL Films. Let you hear from uh, Bucky Brooks, uh, his thoughts on just how what the ceiling might be for Calvin Ridley. We're going to do a little vetting here on old Joey Molinaro. We'll see. We'll see what Joey brings when we return. It's a custom tree surgeons Thursday. You're listening to the drill. You get down 180 pounds. Even you're in uncharted territory in the NFL. Really? Yeah. There aren't many. It's very, it's very few. Lightest player in the NFL right now. Is Devontae Smith. Uh, it's okay. I knew he was one of the lighter ones. He's six feet, 169. Jeez, I didn't think he was that light. Haven't been a ton smaller than that through the years. I don't have a Brandon Banks at one point played for the Redskins, uh, at the time the Redskins, now the Washington Commanders. He was 159 pounds. Oh, it was like Deshaun Jackson. That was like real Deshaun Jackson, they, I, he was on, he's like 177. Uh-huh. I mean, even him. That's, uh, and the point here is those guys aren't standing in the pocket nope. with raging bulls snorting steam <laughs> bearing down uh, on them. So, uh, and certainly the quarterback position, we, we, you know, again, I don't have that stat in front of me, but I believe it was under six feet or six feet or under and less than 190 pounds. There's like no success in the NFL at those dimensions. So, uh, hey, look, there's always a first. Uh, we shall see. But, yeah, there's been some other uh, trend in holiday. Remember him? Fast guy. LSU, yeah. I want to say. Yeah, that's you're right. 5'5", 165. I'm giving you names from the past because I can't find anything that is current. Who's Darren Sproles? Other than the only thing current is that Smith is the smallest. I don't have a current list, so I'm going back. Uh, Wes Welker was 185, 5'9". Again, these are slot receiver. Ray Rice was 5'8", but he was 212. See, it's the weight, man. You carry a little bit of... You know, Bob Sanders was only 5'8", but he weighed 205. Uh, Sproles is on this list. Deshaun Jackson, 5'10", 175. Uh, Antoine Winfield is uh, undersized. Steve Smith was 5'9", but 185. And again, these, again, that's what we said. Uh, Mojo, 5'7", but packed a punch, 210 pounds. We saw him right here. That doesn't have the look of a slight guy. Uh, Darren Sproles, 5'6", but 190. So we'll we'll see when uh, Bryce Young meets the media tomorrow. And again, you're going to hear more about Bryce Young in just a second because I've got some stuff uh, accumulated. By the way, uh, sad news to report: uh, Joey Molinaro did not make it off the cutting room floor. Not even. Close. I'm sorry, Joey. You may have you may have wowed him at the combine there as you went uh, 
Radio Row to Radio Row. And perhaps as it occurred live on the Frangie show, I'm sure it packed a little bit more pop. But I, I'm not sure I could do the couldn't do the impressions that he did. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Joey. No yeah. offense. The next Frank Caliendo, you're not. Because <laughs> Frank is good. Frank yeah. is oh, good. Oh, yes, he is. He's st- he still is, right? Still um still really good. All right, so a couple other uh, issues to get here. Anthony Davis has predicted missed the Lakers game yesterday, but they won anyway. So um, a win at Oklahoma City for the Lakers uh, with no LeBron, his sore foot, and no Anthony Davis, who also apparently has a sore foot. So <laughs> sore, sore foot-itis is going around the Lakers uh, this morning. We'll see how they rally and respond if maybe these sore foots, sore foots can't heal up when the schedule gets a little tougher here in a couple games. I, maybe we could send a telegram, a carrier pigeon. Somebody let the Lakers know there's only like 20 games left. Not sure if they know. Wow. So John Morant is showing some real character flaws here, man. This story is coming out, you know, 10 months later. And Ja's been in the news for stuff going on, right? He's been, he's walked down a path. That it gives an impression of what the what what may be going on there, and now the evidence keeps mounting up. Whether it was you know pointing a laser sighter of what was believed to be a gun in a parking lot in Indianapolis after they played the Indiana Pacers, John is quote crew. We had another one in between. What was the more recent one? He's just he's had some, just had one too. Yeah, the the most recent one. Yeah. Um. Punched a 17-year-old yeah. kid multiple times at well, a playground we learned and flashed that, a gun at him. We learned that yesterday. The gun flashing is, is still the alleged part, but he definitely, th- uh, you know, and seemed to in- instigate and excite that we know this because 17-year-olds filed a lawsuit. Josh somehow has filed one in, in a countersuit. First and foremost, you're an NBA All-Pro. Maybe let's don't go run hoops at Bruce Park. Maybe if we're an NBA All-Pro, we go hone our game at our private gym and not go over to Burnett, where the whole park has nothing to lose. Just a thought. But no, we had one in between. It's not those two. We just had one recently. I'll have to look it up. We just had one. Look it up for me. Something happened either with, in a game or courtside or... Yeah, something happened there. With Remember, his, 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 his crew got into it with... It was Shannon Sharp. Oh, yeah, that was his dad. Him and his dad, and then mm-hmm. and then he's and then something that came out of that. That's not necessarily Jaw's fault there. I don't want to pin it, but man, you 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 run, you run that life. You start getting some of those life consequences. Johnny needs to settle down and put it in bubble wrap. Et, I'm sorry. We can't be off, you know, putting scopes on dudes and punching teenagers, man. Et has backed off that LA vibe for John Morant. Uh, yeah, he, he not on your list that, so so high anymore. No, is that what you're saying? That's not palm trees and, and sunshine. Is yeah, that, that's no. I have a feeling KD is going to evolve into a likable dude on the Suns. There's nobody unlikable on that team. He is such an awesome player. Who comes back after a month off on a new team and just goes silky smooth ten for 15, 23 points? Yawn. Easy. That is a good team, man. And then the crazy part is Devin Booker had 37 points. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, all, I am, who was on the Nuggets a couple days ago? I'm all in on the Suns. I, I'm going to steal this from uh, Tim Legler, a basketball analyst, played in the league for a lot of years. 
But I heard him say this, and I will trust him because he played in the league. He knows the game. He said, man, if you went into a lab, E.T., and you drew up a starting five in the NBA, it would pop out the Suns' starting five. You have a veteran point guard who can score if he has to, but doesn't need to on this team. You have a 6'6 shooting guard with both range and the ability to drive the lane. Yep. You have a center-sized small forward who is one of the top three players in, in all of basketball. You have a center who, if asked, could score you 25. And then the fifth guy, this, this oh gosh, who is it? I want to say it's Josh Okogie, but I think he plays for the uh, Okoro, uh, uh, can guard whoever you ask him to guard on the other team. So, yeah, as, as KD melds his way into that, that Suns lineup, I, I think he's going to be easy to root for this go-round. KD has not played on the team you've rooted for, right? There was pushback because he, he went, you know, hid behind Steph and the Warriors already great team. Never mind, he was the finals MVP, I believe, those championship years. And you were right about um, the the fifth guy, Josh Okogar. Yeah. Okogi. Yeah. Cards, anyone? They got a bit. They're good. <laughs> I mean, they were good. They were a good team, and if they stay healthy, which is in the NBA is becoming more and more questionable, uh, it seems. So uh, anyway, uh, there's very quickly now emerged that that escalated quickly. We have our college basketball villain, the team. We have a villain team now in college basketball. It's very hard to go from completely off the radar, uh, just um, unnoticed, to the villain in college basketball that quickly. So credit to the University of Alabama for pulling that off. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team. Georgetown Georgetown had to build into their reputation. The bad boys weren't born overnight. But Alabama, boy, they flipped a switch, and suddenly they'll be the team that everybody loves to hate. They'll be the top seed that no one will root for because it's just one game after another with these jokers. Last night, three or four of the Alabama contingent had to be kicked out of the game, and it all started with a rude, unnecessarily, violently aggressive action by an Alabama player. Now, the other side of this is Alabama is the number two team in the country, a number one seed coming in in the NCAA tournament. They came from 17 points down to win in overtime last night. Trailed by 17 with 10 minutes to go in the game. Three Auburn starters fouled out. Two Alabama players were ejected for leaving the bench for, uh, during a tussle that happened after Javon Quinterly of Alabama. He didn't toss the ball at, a, at an Auburn player on the floor. He rifled it down at the dude. He should have been teed up and none of that would have happened. But instead, they kind of came chest to chest, as you would imagine. What wasn't a good look for Alabama? You got guys kicked out of the game. You got another one who, who quite frankly, could or should have been. Was it automatic T? I don't know what happened there. But if you get fouled and you're standing up over the guy who fouled you, who's laying prone on the ground, and you take the ball and you rifle it into his gut, in what world is that not a technical? That's how that play played out, but as this team now evolves, because we've we've had the whole Brandon Miller, obviously, completely unconscious to reading the room from being involved in what he was involved in, but kind of worse just the way he's responded and reacted afterward with little to no regard for 
maybe a fact lost in all this is that a young girl was murdered. So, yeah, going through a pat now and then coming up with some ridiculous, it's TSA. Stop it. Quit it. But that combination of now these polarizing uh, players, in addition to just how good they are, they're coaching that raspy voice and the way he has just put his foot in his mouth this whole uh, process, that'll resonate as well. Yeah, I think think we found our villain. I think Alabama could play Duke, and we may have more people rooting for Duke. Congrats, Bama. That was a remarkable fall from grace, at least from, like, that standpoint. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. It seems that way to me, though. All right, let's go to another uh, Alabama player, Bryce Young. We came back. I told you the smallest player in the NFL right now weighs 169 pounds, and and he's a receiver who splits out and does a, a marvelous, marvelous job of contorting his body, avoiding contact, and and has the speed to get away. He's Devontae Smith. He's a receiver for the Eagles. Smallest player currently in the NFL. And even he's six feet tall, but he's just one, 169 pounds. Most of the players who... Who approach, you know, 100 and, who are under 180 pounds, almost exclusively are receivers or corners, almost exclusively, or some sort of little scat back kind of option. Because even the shorter one, we just went through the numbers, I don't have to repeat them. Even the Mojos, who were little, but they were pocket Hercules, right? They were 210 pounds or more, even. Greg Cosell joined our friends from the Frangie Show. Another quick plug. We'll get the complete Jaguar situation encapsulated when Hayes Carline joins us from Indy at 7.30 this morning. But they asked Greg Cosell about Bryce Young and about his size. Again, Cosell has joined us many times through the years. He once said Blaine Gabbert will fail because he can't stand in the cauldron of fire that is an NFL pocket. He's pointed out the flaws, the ceilings of guys like Gardner Minshew for us, even when we didn't want to hear it. You'll hear what he says about Trevor in just a second. But first, the perspective, ear to the ground and eyes on the prospect on Bryce Young from Greg Cosell. You know, I love Bryce Young, but I'm just so nervous about his size. Really little. Somebody told me who knows that in the championship game a year ago when they lost to Georgia— that he weighed 169 pounds. Wow. And, you know, he's a really good football player, and he's an unbelievable kid. I've gotten to know Bryce Young, and there's, he'll step in anywhere, and he'll know the offense, and he'll be able to run it. But can you play quarterback in the NFL at 180, 185? And I think that's a very legitimate question. Yeah, well, there you go. And that's, that's what, what's he going to weigh when he steps on that scale today? You can't avoid that one. You can wait to throw until the NFL ain't letting you coming in without knowing what they're getting size-wise. No cheating it, you know. Maybe, maybe he. I guess you probably do. I guess you probably there's probably something you've been eating or drinking to try and just pack on at least five to ten oh, yeah, pounds. He's definitely right? eating like you know, everything that he can to put some weight. But on. it's not like you can do some st- stupid twenty five thousand calorie day and come in looking like you're too much pregnant either, right? Can't do that. that bro. Belly sticking out, you know. When I eat too much, I watch one of those like competitive eaters on YouTube. You know, he's not so much competing, but it's like. What he'll like, dude will go and order everything on a fast food restaurant's menu and then eat it all, dude. But he will go like his weight, his, his stomach will get like four inches bigger from doing that, dude. He puts on like 20 pounds, but he's like a triathlete. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's the question. And again, it'll be interesting tomorrow to get some uh, to get some dimensions on on Bryce Young. Get some dimensions on Anthony Richardson. The next two days are going to, I think, 
um, be well-suited for one Anthony Richardson as he goes through this part of the process. All right, here's Greg Cosell on our quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, we've seen the early results are in. He's going to be viewed as a top-five quarterback in the league already. Going to be up there in a category and in a list with three guys, Burrow, Mahomes, and Hurts, that have already been to a Super Bowl. A fourth, Josh Allen, who was knocked on the door as an AFC Championship game uh, participant in an every-year playoff quarterback. Trevor is just right there with those, probably behind at least the three. I think he's catching them. And I pose this question. You can ask at a bar or a barbershop. Who would you trade Trevor Lawrence for? Patrick Mahomes, you would. And Joe Burrow, you, you, you would, certainly could, and you, and you may regret it in two or three years. It may not be, or, or at the very worst, be an equal swap. But I think that's it. I'm not sure. You're still trading for Josh Allen straight up. And that doesn't mean Trevor's better uh, or will be better. I just don't know with the unknown of where the kid may be heading. What does Greg Cosell from NFL Films, Films think? He became so much more efficient in the pocket game because they shortened him. You know, he was a deliberate guy. Everything mm-hmm. was deliberate. He was a big striding guy. I yeah. mean, he's 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. He's kind of high-cut and long-legged. You know, they had to, he had to get quicker. You know, it's the NFL. you got to yeah. get quicker. Right. And they did a great, great job with that. And you saw the results. The guy had a really strong year. There's no reason to believe he won't continue to improve. Um, well, there you go. That's like a unanimous opinion. All right, let's uh, go to one more opinion. Again, sadly, if you're waiting for the Jolie Molinaro content, the impersonations of Nick Saban, Brian Kelly, Ed Orgeron, Jim Ursay, and Chris Collinsworth. Um, the best of the uh, five by far was Ursay, who I would venture to guess 90% of you out there don't even know what the dude sounds like to begin with. Right. <laughs> if I ask you, oh, picture, I mean, you're going to what? The context is kind of what gave it away for me. Yeah, right. He's there. We know him. This guy's a Colts guy. You can tell by some of the stuff he was saying. But, yeah, the Saban, Kelly, Collinsworth, Orgeron. Hey, listen. Every man, every man in the world can do. Every football fan in the South can do Ed Orgeron. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, sadly, Joey Molinaro did not make the cut. Bucky Brooks, our buddy from right here in town, Jaguars NFL Network, did and and as we wait on Calvin Ridley, you know, and hopefully we did learn that they the money set aside. You know, they're everything they're doing and dealing with that money is there for Calvin Ridley. Certainly, the hope and the expectation is that he will be reinstated. And when he does, Bucky Brooks, he may be the best receiver that we've seen since Jimmy and Keenan. And I am dead serious when I talk about in terms of the skills that he brings to the table. When I talk to the guys at Atlanta about him. And I was like, hey, man, what's up with Calvin? Like, what's going on or whatever? They're like, look, the stuff that he was dealing with, like, he can fight through that. That stuff is not a problem. On the field, he's an absolute monster. They say he's uncoverable. He's a true number one receiver. Oh, I'm getting the woolies in here, man. How about that? How about that little addition? What if he has a, you know, a Stefan Diggs kind of impact? Then we're in trouble. Oh, man. Uh, we will wait again, the expectation being that, yeah, we're going to add a piece. Bucky Brooks has a very unique perspective on this. You know the background of Bucky Brooks. I'm pretty sure, I know he did if you combine college. I'm pretty sure in the NFL, Bucky Brooks played both receiver and cornerback. I think he came in as a receiver and switched to corner or vice versa. It, I, I may be combining his college career out of, I believe, Virginia for Bucky Brooks. He may have been like, one or the other there and switched here. He did play for the Jaguars very briefly. 
Maybe a full season? What College the- is North Carolina. North Carolina, okay, not Virginia. Pretty sure he play- played a little bit of both um, in the NFL. What year was he here with the Jags? He was with the Jags, 96-97. So two years, or at least part of, or, right. of two Correct. years. And he, does he show receptions in his career anywhere? No, no receptions. So in and, the NFL. and he's listed as a corner. Uh huh. So may, maybe he um, was exclusively a, a corner in the NFL. But pretty sure Bucky Brooks uh, played uh, both ways along the way. I mean, at either at the highest college level. Maybe Bucky Brooks was a college receiver. Maybe that's what it is. Look at Bucky Brooks' college numbers for me again, gang. You just just ride the show with us. This is what we do. Embrace it. Embrace the mini chaos. Go through the act of discovery along with us here. Your four-hour journey. What do you got in there, Captain? <laughs> Bucky Brooks. Uh, he was a wide receiver. Was a wide receiver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a decent, like like a decent one, like yeah, forty up, catch years kind of guy. Yeah, he put up some numbers. Yeah, and then a corner in the NFL. All right, good. I feel a, a little bit smarter as we head to break. Come back with a football fix. You know, again, I've uh, kind of, kind of, I banged the drum for. You know, getting to hear from organizations, getting a more realistic perspective on their thoughts on things than the opining of podcasts and, and you know, uh, social media posts, right? It's real easy to put up a graphic on Twitter that, oh, T. Higgins is could be on the way out in Cincinnati, and then the Bengals roll through, and they're like, wait, what? Yeah. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. How about no? And while we put Lamar in every city but Baltimore, the Ravens came through the combine facility yesterday. I'll tell you what they had to say. And scratch one of the suitors off the list for Aaron Rodgers, apparently. Apparently, they see a 39-year-old quarterback who does darkness retreats and uh, hallucinates under ayahuasca and say, I'm not so sure we want to give up a lot of draft assets. See, we got some holes here. And one of the places that we've kind of placed him, you start running out of places here, man. And so as Aaron, you know, again, he, he yesterday on a podcast explained to everyone how he's still deciding and he's not holding anyone hostage or being a diva. Bro, it's been a month and a half. What are you talking about? How hard is it? In the meantime, then don't be shocked when people go in a different direction. I, but at the end of the day, you know what A-Rod can do? He can just sit there. He's owed $59 million. Make him cut you then. If you want to leave or retire, make him cut If not, hey, man, I told you I'd be here. When, when you all have uh, OTAs, let me know. I'll be around. If you want to play that quarterback instead of me, I'll hold the clip here for 60 mil a year. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. If anybody would think outside the box, I, you know, I would assume if Aaron Rodgers wants to play, he wants to win a championship. Anyway, more uh, news on that and who this uh, potential team no more is when we get to a football fix. When we return on the other side, it's Custom Tree Surgeons Thursday on The Drill. All right, we are uh, back here on the drill. Going to get you through this morning. Hayes Carline from the Combine. That's at 7.30. we got Pat Dooley down in Gainesville. It's coming up a little after 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, Steve Sands, the Sandman from the Golf Channel and NBC. He'll be up here with the worldwide contingent for the players next week. Talk a little golf with him, including some changes coming next year on the PGA Tour. Uh, the reason behind it makes a lot of sense. If you listen to the PGA Tour Pros way in, uh, we'll get to that coming up uh, next segment. In fact, I had an interesting day yesterday I want to share with you. Uh, part sport-related and part um, life-related. Nothing tragic. You know, easy. Everyone settle down. Nothing dramatic. 
Just a reminder is what it'll be. Be a little health conscious reminder for you. Uh, Anywho, we'll uh, move along. Let's get into a football fix. Fire up the band, E.T. We are going to offer up the percolating news from the National Football League. Um, Yeah, when, when your general manager uses the word covet to describe his hopes of retaining you, I think we got a pretty firm stance on where the Ravens are when it comes to Lamar Jackson. Covet. They're covetous of him. When the GM was like, hey, man, I like ball players. I like guys that make plays. I like, and I love Lamar. I mean, yeah. Ask him about trading him. Look, anything happen? I, I, I guess, but that's a hard no for me. And I know Lamar, this is a big year for Lamar to me, health wise. Righty, he's had the last two years. He's gotten banged up. It's, yep. It hadn't, hadn't, you know, it's cost him. It's cost him late in the year. One year they missed the playoffs entirely. And then last year, they have no hope with the, you know, second and third string quarterbacks. There's no savior out there. If you're the Baltimore Ravens and you move away from Lamar Jackson, what's your record going to be next year? <laughs> what you got in your back pocket? You going to run Tyler Huntley out there because of how excited you were to see him throw at the Pro Bowl? Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, there's that. Uh, another quarterback certainly in the news. Now out of the dark, but still leaving everyone else in it. Aaron Rodgers on the old podcast says his decision will come soon. And then he just talked into the platitudes that I guess the enlightenment that a, that a darkness therapy session can give you. Said he found inner peace during his four-day retreat. Um, didn't reveal what his decision is or even whether he's made one. Uh, an hour 41 with the Aubrey Marcus podcast. He promised it wouldn't take too much longer. It's best for anybody who has an interest to make a decision sooner rather than later. Now, this comes day after Brian Gutenkunst, we told you at the uh, scouting, combine, said there'd been, scouting combine, said there's been little to no conversation with Rodgers since the end-of-season meetings. Um, as for A-Rod, he says, I feel really good about the conversations that are going to be had, that have been had with important people in my life, yourself included. That helped orient me. So there, I don't know if Marcus is maybe some spiritual advisor. Who's the Aubrey Marcus? What's Aubrey Marcus, E.T.? Research department. Google me Aubrey Marcus. What's that dude's background? Apparently he's had a big effect on Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to drag anybody around, Aaron said. Look, I'm answering questions about it because they asked me about it. I'm talking about it because it's important to me. If you don't like it, if you think it's drama, if you think I'm being a diva or whatever, just tune it out. That's fine. But this is my life. It's important to me, and I'll make a decision soon enough, and then we'll go down that road and be really excited about it. And from just his own personal perspective, that explanation is fine, but there are others involved. Quote, I'll make a decision soon enough for you. Maybe not soon enough for the Packers or the Jets or the Raiders, if that used to matter, because news also percolates out of the combine yesterday that the Raiders have taken their name out of the hat for... Aaron Rodgers. Just, look, they have too many holes. They're not giving up a lot of draft picks for a 39-year-old quarterback. So the previous relationship with Devontae Adams aside does not seem like that's the direction the Raiders will be going. Boy, if you're Devontae Adams, you have any buyer's remorse out there? Oh, yeah. Right? You went and joined your college quarterback, your good friend Derek Carr, and really it looks like you're facing the prospect of having a rookie quarterback this year. He gone. That's what it looks like the Raiders are fitting to do start Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or someone. Won't be Stroud or, or Young unless they uh, move up. And the top of the draft now and your strategy 
changes a little after top draft prospect. Jalen Carter, who we told you yesterday was starting to be linked to some allegations that he could have been a part of that fatal crash, uh, now has been charged with racing in that fatal crash. So this cat was going to go in probably the top three. Now charged in Athens with reckless driving and racing in connection with a crash that killed a teammate and a recruiting staff member. The Athens Police Department issued the arrest warrant yesterday, just hours after the Atlanta Journal-Constitution broke a story of Carter's potential involvement. The police say Carter was racing his 2021 Jeep Trackhawk against the 2021 Ford Expedition, driven by the recruiting staff for a 24-year-old woman, Chandler LaCroix. They they wrecked on January 15th. Here's the problem. Carter, they've determined, was present at the scene of the crash, provided shifting accounts and wrecked to police. In fact, uh, some reports say he left the scene and then returned. He had been slated to speak with reporters yesterday at the Combine. Obviously, that didn't happen. Reckless driving and racing are both misdemeanors in Georgia. I don't know if ultimately you attach the death deaths of those other two as to having him been involved. I don't know. Um, Details released yesterday show evidence that Carter and LaCoy were operating their vehicles in a manner consistent with racing. According to police, both vehicles switched between lanes, drove in the center turn lane, drove in the opposite lanes of travel, overtook other motorists, drove at high rates of speed in an apparent attempt to outdistance each other. LaCroix, meanwhile, blood alcohol content of almost .20, twice the legal limit in Georgia at the time of the crash. Yeah, Carter just kept going. Didn't come back to the scene until two hours later. When he was asked if he was racing and he said no. I mean, who leaves a, a, a wrecked car full of compatriots? To die as far as you know. Who does that? People that you know. Uh, By the way, we always talk about the GOAT, and that is Tom Brady, and he's got all those rings on now both hands, but just a little tip of the cap to our guy, pre-GOAT Joe Montana. Joe Montana was the GOAT. Like, Joe Montana was the GOAT of my uh, younger sports fan life. Montana was the GOAT. The 49ers were the GOAT, and they were the Patriots. They Every year, they were saddling up and going and winning. Uh, Montana at a late age in, in his career went to the Chiefs and took him to the AFC Championship game. Didn't get all the way to the Super Bowl and win it like Brady. Brady is the GOAT, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying he passed Montana to be that. Well, Montana's Super Bowl jersey from the year they did the drive and they beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I believe it was John Taylor caught a quick slant in that one. Hey, is that John Candy in the audience? That's what Montana famously did in that game. He had his guys. It's Super Bowl. He's got his guys in the huddle. They need to go on a drive to win the football game. It's in the last two or three minutes of the game. Everyone's tense and uptight. And, and, and Joe Montana sees John Candy sitting in, like, row three. Hey, guys, is that John Candy? Hey, Get your head in the game, Joe. Yeah, and then. And that's where the catch came from, right? Uh, no, the catch is the catch. The drive is when he took them downfield and they beat the Bengals in the, in the uh, Super Bowl. The catch is Dwight Clark in the NFC Championship right. game. Oh, that's not the same? No, not okay. the same play. Uh, he, had a, he had a few. Uh, the jersey worn by Joe Montana, not one, but two Super Bowl victories, has sold for $1.2 million, and that is a, now a new record, beating the record that was held by Tom Brady. 
The previous record was 480000 for Brady's 2021 Super Bowl jersey. So he obliterated the record. Montana wore the exact same jersey twice for the now record-breaking, uh, uh, wore the now record-breaking jersey twice. He wore it in Super Bowl XIX. Let me do some converting. 19 when they beat the uh, Dolphins. And then four years later, is that right? He wore the same jersey? Four years later? Maybe it's superstition. He wore the same jerseys. That was before they put patches and all that stuff on him. Oh, okay. You just wore your uniform. That's true. Because, like, maybe back then, like, nowadays, you know, they probably wear a new jersey every day. What a great story that is. I wasn't aware of that story. Yeah, that's crazy. Let me finish. That is super interesting. There's a bit more to go. Let me finish it. That's a football fix. Come back. I'm going to reset this story that Joe Montana wore the exact same jersey in multiple Super Bowls. And looking into it, there's some more fun facts to go along with that. Uh, we will continue with our frolicking four hours of sports infotainment as we drive you through here on a uh, custom tree surgeon's Thursday. Also, when we come back on the other side, interesting day yesterday on a couple of fronts. I'll share that with you. You're listening to The Drill on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we're back on a custom tree surgeon's Thursday. Suddenly, I find myself content full again today. Got more stuff than I'm going to get out there, ET. I don't know what they've got to do an expert job today at gatekeeping. I got a lot of stuff here. Uh, a couple of cleanups. Aubrey Marcus from the Aubrey Marcus podcast that Aaron Rodgers, who we credit him for being a big influence on his life, is apparently a, quote, YouTuber. A disruptive, holistic health guru. Oh. Again, that's the description of, of somebody from the text line. So, shocker that a disruptive, holistic health guru would be tight with Aaron Rodgers. Who would have seen that coming? <laughs> Uh, on, on the text line, the drive is John Elway against the Browns. Sure it is, an NFL lore. But in Super Bowl vernacular, as far as the 49ers go, I guess that's what, what's known by them as the drive. I'm with you. The drive. If I tell you the drive in NFL history, it's John Elway to going 90-plus to beat the Browns in the first of two straight AFC championship, just, just heartbreakers for Cleveland. But apparently, I'm going by how they marketed it and how the one bought it. The 92-yard game-winning drive to famously beat the Bengals is known, at least, I guess, in Ninerland as the drive. But the interesting thing here is, is this record uh, selling jersey, 1.2 million, was worn in two separate Super Bowls by Joe Montana. That's crazy, is, is it not? Yeah, that's wild. Four, Mont- Mont- like four years, that's crazy. Montana first wore the record-breaking jersey in Super Bowl 19 when they beat the Dolphins 38-16. Four years later, in Super Bowl twenty-three, he wore it again, the same jersey, engineering a game-winning drive, famously known as the drive, according to ESPN, uh, to lead the Niners to the victory. The morning of the latter Super Bowl, Montana's wife Jennifer pulled the jersey from a scrapbook and packed it in Joe's stadium bag with a note, maybe you want to wear it again. So he did. I was just going to ask, because normally like a Super Bowl jersey, those guys, like they... They I guess pa- I guess frame we're them and stuff. I guess we're pre big patches and like now this you can this would never fly because you right. got that Super Bowl patch and logos. Right. And I, I'm guessing if you go back and look at those Super Bowls, they don't have that, so you wouldn't notice. The 49ers just wore their traditional road red. Well, that's cra- I never that's, knew that story. That's, that's interesting. interesting. So yeah, uh, Brady had held the record for the uh, Super Bowl auctioned uh, jerseys, but yeah, game worn Joe Montana. With all due respect to John Elway and the Drive. Apparently, this was the Drive. Anyway. Um, there's that. Speaking of the drive, it has been mayhem in our area this week. 
I feel for you morning commuters. And we had a car in the water on the buck when snarled it all day. And, and, and by the way, also the, the tragicness of that happening. We had a car on fire at the top of the Buckman Bridge yesterday. And now I'm getting word that I-95 is now shut down in St. John's County at County Road 210 coming north. Apparently, according to some texters, backed up for, quote, miles. So, man, it has been a brutal week. Hey, one good thing about E.T. about getting up at the break of dawn. <laughs> and getting nobody, in here, yeah, there's no commute, you know. I mean, Nobody there, on that road. There's people on the road, but it's not like the, what happens, you know, now. Um, we talked about Bryce Young and some of the nervousness uh, there's going to be around his measurement tomorrow. This from the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. My buddy, Sean Scott, was an undersized outside linebacker at UVA. He was Jeff Logman's roommate. He put five pounds of weights in his shorts when the Steelers came to weigh him for pre-draft info. He was all ACC, but he never got picked up. He couldn't get to 225 pounds. So, um... Yeah, there's uh, that uh, percolating. All right, so anyway, we're preparing for the the tail end of the week here. Uh, Hick is off for a couple of days. His kid is in one of those baseball, you know, showcase tournaments with the Providence team. Uh, by the way, Hick's too humble to bring it up or uh, sheepish for for his own kid. But congrats to the boy king, Brooks Hicken, who uh, committed to... Gosh, I'm going to get it wrong. This is the most... Uh, we talked about this with TPC, the players, and that kind of stuff earlier in the week. But if you've been in Jacksonville for as long as I have, it's it's FCCJ, it's FSC, it's it's FSJC. What is it right now, ET? Florida State College at Jacksonville. So it's FSCJ. Yep. Yeah. It it's, was FC because now it's four-year, correct? Yep. Because forever, when I came here, at least, when I first came here, it was FJC. F- okay. Florida Junior College, then it went to Florida Community College, and then it went to FCCJ. Yep, that's where I start. I started my college career at FCCJ, and, and I graduated from FSCJ. And so it's that's all. There's not been something else in between that. Correct. Well, anyway, congrats to the boy King. He's committed <laughs> to play baseball over there. It's a terrific baseball um, uh, tradition. There are a ton of great baseball prospects who start um, at that level. But, yeah, four-year um, uh, commitment, and, and congrats. A lot of, I know all the back scenes here, gang, from the friendship level. All the work. The kids put in a lot of work in a couple different sports. So, uh, congrats to them and um, and uh, well wishes. I won't make up some suspension that Dan could very well be on but isn't uh, <laughs> to get you through these next uh, couple of days. But the point I was going to make is this. Uh, so, E.T., I know we got Friday. We got an opening here tomorrow. So, uh, I say, man, it'd be a good time to catch up with our buddy Matt Every Matt seems to be beloved by the listening audience when he uh, checks in and fills in every now and then. He's always happy to do it. And he has an interesting, certainly, perspective on golf and, you know, also on uh, sports in general. He's a big sports fan. So, I, I shoot uh, Matty a text. Hey, man, you want to do some radio on Friday? And, it's tip- you know, what typically Matt will get right back with me. And so, um, when I didn't hear from him, I said, that's kind of, that's kind of odd. I, I don't believe he got into Bay Hill. I would know that. I said, well, they're playing that opposite of it in Puerto Rico this week. The Puerto Rico Open on PGA Tour. So, I give that a quick check. And lo and behold, our guy, Matt Every teed off at 6.30 this morning. He's one under par. Died for first. Shout out, my Woo! dog. Woo! Shout Avery. out, Matty E. <laughs> Let's go, Every. <laughs> Let's go, Every. <laughs> One under through three in a uh, log jam in first place with uh, Billy Haas and, you know, uh, who else we got here? 
Max McGreevy. So these are the guys that can't get into this elevated event this week. But, but nonetheless, that's 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 be a decent field to have to beat back. There are a lot of guys here that own a lot of wins on PGA Tour. It's despicable that Matt doesn't get the invite to Bay Hill. And he told us this year he went so far as to send a letter. The guy won the tournament in back-to-back years less than 10 years ago. He lives up the road. He's 38. If he wants to play your tournament as a two-time champ, as an invitational, you invite him. I won't, I won't right now make myself frustrated or angry by going to the bottom of the Arnold Palmer Invitational Leaderboard, the one that we'll pay more attention to this weekend for sure. It's a great event preceding the players. But if I go down to the bottom there, I don't think I'm going to find a guy who's won it twice in the last 10 years. Your own event, by the way, three-time overall. If Matt wanted to drive down and play Bay Hill this week, they doggone should have invited him. That's weak, man. I wonder if because it's an elevated event for the first time this year and the money's so much more... That had something to do with it. But still, there's guys at the bottom that stack up. Uh, but in the meanwhile, we'll just try and get him. Oh, no, we've fallen into a tie for third. A couple of guys have made birdies. Uh, McGreevy uh, and Nate Lashley. You're going to hear more Puerto Rico open uh, leaderboard updates today than the history of Jacksonville Radio. Now, we got to keep my, my man, Matt, we got to keep him off the big number, E.T. You know, he'll go out there and it'll be 300 through five, and then, then I, can't, I can't have him throw a six up on a seaside par three. We got to keep this thing going. You know, Soy Barinka, I should have gone down there with him, giving him a lay of the land. I played a lot of golf in Puerto Rico back in the day. Steve Sands will join us from the Golf Channel today. Uh, we will not discuss Matt Every. We'll discuss uh, some news that came, came out on tour yesterday. Um, I mean, let's call it what it is. It's, it's a response as the PGA Tour prepared to withstand whatever the live was bringing at them. They had to make some concessions. So if you want to credit the live for getting these other PGA tour players, you know, more money, more opportunity, uh, however you want to put it, then that's fine. Good. I'm glad you did. Now you guys go play over there where no one's watching. Congratulations. You up the ante for all your buddies. They stayed in the tried and true tour with true competition and are going to get a nice salary increase. Anyway, you guys want to think you had anything to do with it. Have fun staying tonight in Riyadh or wherever y'all are. Have fun playing in countries where your wives and girlfriends can't accompany you for what might happen. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, real pioneers. Yeah, they all owe you a pat on the back. Get out of here, man. Uh, real quick on that accident that you uh, reported on earlier. Now, two lanes are open now. Okay. All right. Well, so if you want to fight through that one lane of uh, bottleneck. Right. But at, at 210 there, I, I'm sure that I, you're screwed is what you are. All right. You're coming north on 95, whether you're, you know, making a long trip, in which case you're probably not listening to us if you're out of the area. But if, if you're one of us and you're driving up in there and you're, you're screwed, there's nowhere to go. Unless you're, sa- if you're still south of like World Golf, get all, you know, do that. I don't know how far it's backed up. It made it sound like it could have been backed up past World Golf. But the problem is any and everybody who has that idea, they all funnel off. And I, I saw yesterday, Jacksonville remains like one of the top three fastest growing metro areas in the country. I believe it, man. A lot of people fled to the freedom we offer when the pandemic was shutting down parts of the country and otherwise, right? And they're all alive and apparently stuck in traffic this morning. (laughs) Okay, so back to the PGA Tour and what is, call it an answer to live, call it whatever you want to call it, what it is for us as golf fans is a huge win because beginning next year, they're going to add some smaller field, no-cut events. This isn't about ensuring that Rory McIlroy gets to make money if he doesn't make the cut. That's not what this is about. I really believe that. This is about when you go, when they come to town, you get the opportunity to see your favorite player, the best players. You know they're going to be there all four 
all four rounds. If Tiger Woods is playing the Genesis, it's an elevated event. You can go any day. You can make plans to go any day and know you can see Tiger Woods. What's, what's the, what does that mean, an elevated event? The elevated events are these new events that they allow, that they made this year that are worth a lot more money. The bag is bigger. The bag is bigger. All the top players are playing it. We've seen a few already, and it, it makes every event, at the top at least, more like the players. The bottom still will filter with guys that might not make it into the players, but most would. They have momentum on their side here getting out of the gates. They crushed Liv out of the gate with one of their, you know, less attended events just because of where the Honda uh, sits on the schedule. Next year, the fields at the elevated tournaments will be reduced and cuts will be eliminated. Eight designated events next year will have a field of 70 to 78 players with no cuts after the completion of the first two rounds. This isn't about guaranteeing Already rich guys get money. I, I really, it's not that. This is about fans knowing that if they go to see Jordan Spieth, they're going to see Jordan Spieth, even if he happens to start 78-74. If you went to a football game because you wanted to see Trevor Lawrence play, and they, it'd be like, and they pulled him out because he's, all right, and he, and he played like he did against the Chargers and they pulled him. You don't get to see the – you would have lost the effect of Trevor Lawrence leading a comeback. That's golf. Play a bad half, you go home. Fans can't see you. He gone. Trevor, halftime, gets dressed and leaves. And you get to watch C.J. Beathard try and win you a football game. That's the equivalent of the cut in golf. A marquee star takes off. You see Trevor in the, the player's promo? I did not. Oh, yeah. Trevor got a nice cameo in that promo. All right, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I did see that, actually. Just Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, anyway, um, the, the players resonated what I what I just said. And the PGA Tour is rallying with its stars and much high caliber of play, and they're just putting a foot on the on – they're stomping the chest of whatever it is the Live Tour thought it was going to do. And at the end of the day, after all the pomp and circumstance and fireworks, at the end of the day – when Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods talk, it carries a lot more weight than when Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson do. That's just reality. And the reality is also this. Not a player on that live tour that would play the Honda Classic this weekend and beat Chris Kirk, a journeyman on the PGA Tour, because he's got some competitive nad. So anyway, uh, change is coming uh, on that end. But listen, for us as viewers, it's just better. Hey, look, golf is a lot like NASCAR. You know, at the end of the day, I don't mean to offend you NASCAR aficionados more than me. It's my opinion covering NASCAR and watching it as I have for all these years. You could eliminate half the field before the race starts. There's only 15 to 20 cars and drivers legitimately at just your generic track. It's got a chance to win. All you do is clog it up with also rands and nobodies that, that people other than their close following group care about. Golf is like that. Once you get past that 15 or 20, no one cares if it's Christian Bazudenhoit or Adam Hadwin or anybody on the live that's not Dustin Johnson or Cam Smith. No one cares. So if from, a, from, a, from that perspective, to me, it's better. I'd rather see the best play all four rounds than just watch more than I need to care about make the cut. Now, look, those guys don't get completely shut out, they'll have off events like they do this week with the Puerto Rican Open. Have I told you that Matt Every's playing it? I think I did. All right, so I had an interesting day uh, yesterday. Uh, Part of it involves golf. 
So I'll share this quickly. We'll come back with uh, Hayes Carline live from the from the combine. But I, uh, one thing I did this, I scheduled, and you hear us talk about it here. I scheduled my colonoscopy appointment. Why do I say this? Listen, we're a bar room, you know, barber shop, kicking around while you're fishing on the on the dock kind of show, right? That's what we do. We're not health and finance. I'm not going to get here now and go into like some health segment. But as you reach a certain age, it's just stupid to not at least get that done. And, you know, I wake I Y K Y K, you know, tomorrow is a day that signifies something for me. I'm not getting any younger and it's time. <laughs> yeah, I Y K I that's hard to say fast in a row, but you know what I'm saying. I Y K Y K. It's a reminder, I'll say. Tomorrow will be a reminder. There's certain things that as you age, man, you just need to get done unless you get caught in this case with your pants down. See what I did there? All right. Uh, and the other um the other thing I did yesterday, I'll share with y'all, and I haven't done this in so long, is I got new golf clubs. I how, needed them, man. I, I was gonna say, how often do you? You need. I mean, if you're listening to me, and again, I'm not going to sit here and toot my own golf game horn, whatever. If I'm playing good and got, I can, I can shoot in the 70s, right? I'm not shooting par, so what I'm saying. I'm typically going to go like 76 to 84 if I play a round of golf. So if you play like that, you should, you should update your clubs every now and then. And I don't do it out of frugality or cheapness. I mean, my golf clubs are like my car, dude. I'll drive a car forever. As long as give me point A to point B, I'm not a car guy. I get all y'all that are, and every two years you want a new one. It doesn't mean you're, you know, you it's flashy or showy. You're just a car guy. You want a new one. Cool. All good. I, it's point A to point B for me, right? I drive them into the ground forever. But And it's the same with golf clubs. Well, I, I figure my clubs are good enough, dude. It's not like I'm going out and shooting 68 tomorrow. So, you know, they'll get the job done. They're Good clubs that I had. They were at the time, you know, at the top of the line, but it had been 12 years, E.T. To your question, probably five, six years. If you play a lot of golf, golf's important to you, and you play a lot, and now it's terrific how you do it because, you know, yesterday I got to go. I hit a bunch of uh, – hitting into a simulator, get to hit a bunch of different clubs, see how it's coming off the club, the distance it's going, all that stuff. Settle on what you want. You customize it just a little bit to your own personal The grip and specs. all that. Yeah, all that good, good stuff. You know, the the – the loft and lie of the club and the stiffness of the of the golf shaft that you want. There's a lot that goes into it. If you play a lot of golf, it's worth getting at least a little bit of explanation uh, on that. So, um, yeah, made the purchase yesterday. I'm as excited as get out. And I because I do it so infrequently, you know, I got what I wanted. You know, I spent some money. I combined Mrs. P's gift to me for Christmas and, and well, I wake, I-Y-K-Y-K. Um... <laughs> I combine those to, to splurge and get me a, a good set of golf clubs that are now off at uh, the Ping Laboratories being custom crafted for me. I got the Ping G3 or 4, I don't even know what they are, 430s, I think. I was going to say. Or all you golf techs out there, you can take a, take a look at that. I'm excited to get them. I can't wait. And like anybody who gets new golf clubs, we're now all sure we're going to be six shots better. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you come off to me, as a, and I don't even know what it looks like, but you look like a Callaway guy. I hit Callaway Woods, so you're you're right to yeah. that end. But I ended up going with the ping uh, irons yesterday, and I just freaking loved them hitting them. We'll see how it uh, translates. So there, I shared that with you. Hayes Carline next. We've content full. I'm, I'm I'm overflowing the bucket here. I need to settle down because I got Hayes, I got Doc Murphy, I got Pat Dooley after that, and more golf talk with the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, my man Sandman, Steve Sands from the Golf Channel and NBC coming up at the 9 o'clock hour. You are immersed in a custom tree surgeon's Thursday.
coming. It's coming. It's coming. Sailor, just hold on. Ooh. Come on. Just feel the beat right now, you know, just Bobby Fill Shoulders. Fill it up. Yeah. That's what your birthday should be like. Do that birthday dance. Apparently, it's 13-year-old Sailor Bell's birthday. You know why they're listening right now in particular? They listen every day, but you know why they're listening right now? Uh-huh. Um, well, one, they love the drill. It says so here in, on the Shout text. But second the is they're in this gnarly traffic out there with accidents, traffic uh, um, uh, buildups. And so I don't know um, if it'll work for you, but some have said they've cut over to US1 and they're good to go. Meanwhile, let's turn our attention to it. But yeah, happy birthday. There's the birthday shout. March 2nd. My good uh, buddy Kenny, his birthday is today, also March 2nd. But like many of my good buddies, he doesn't listen to the show, so to, <laughs> to hell with him. That's what I say. Uh, Hayes Carline joins us from the Combine on the Fair and Fair phone lines, brought to you by Superior Fence and Rail. Uh, Hayes, good morning. We often have found the offseason a perfect time to rail on the Jaguars, and my, how a year has changed things, right? You're at basically the convention site for the NFL. I imagine the, the vibe towards our Jaguars has changed a bit. Yeah, good morning, Jeff. It is, uh, that's exactly right. I mean, it is, uh, it's a 180 of what we're used to. You know, the Jaguars are now considered the, the class of this division. And, uh, and and there's a lot of optimism around the league about where this team is going, and uh, it's it's it is it's a unique place to be in, but a good place, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do at 24. Well, and it's so hard to get a read on that, right? I mean, in the past, we're reading, trying to read players that are coming. Now you almost got to try and read positions. You know, I, far be it from naming which player in that position, but. You know, we've we've had a better idea the last few years because of where they're picking what they'll do. So we focus really on the personnel rather than the position itself. Have you gleaned anything that makes you lean, you know, stronger one way or the other into a position that may come? I think it's going to be an edge rusher at the end of the day. If if the if it falls the way I think we believe it'll fall in terms of the first twenty three picks, and they don't move up or they don't move back, I. I think there's going to be some really good options for them in terms of addressing pass rush at 24. And Georgia outside linebacker Nolan Smith, I think, is is the bell of the ball. He was super impressive yesterday, obviously, had a tremendous career at Georgia. Um, and, and I think he, there's a good chance he's going to be there at 24. So uh, that's the guy that, that I think has the best chance right now uh, to, to be the pick. Um, but I it, certainly they could go corner the defensive backs are gonna uh be available later this morning so we'll get a good sense of of those guys um yesterday it was the defensive linemen and linebackers um and and it was a good crop i mean you know besides nolan smith i thought uh isaiah foskey from notre dame looked good auburn's Derek hall in terms of you know just meeting them and hearing them talk about you know, their game and, and things like that. The testing, you know, hasn't happened yet on, on the field. Um, and I, I'll say another player that I was really impressed by uh, was Gervon Dexter. He's really filled out. You know, he's he was always this tall, kind of almost unique frame defensive tackle. It was almost like tall but not very bulky uh, at Florida. And he's done a nice job of, of adding muscle. And he almost looks like a, a mini 
Calais Campbell or, you know, maybe what Calais Campbell would have looked like, you know, when he was at the combine many years ago. So I, I don't think he's quite as tall as Calais, but it's that kind of size that it, 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 it stands out. And again, he's a player that I think there's a chance he could be there at 24. And if the Jaguars, again, they, they really don't have any interior pass rush. Dexter could help them in that regard. So, uh, but I think between Nolan Smith, Gervon Dexter, if, if the Jaguars want to uh, address pass rush, I think they've got a good chance to do it at uh, pick 24. I, I, you know, every first-round draft pick that's come through here in the last 10, 15 years, there is a need that he play right away. Are the Jaguars, are they to a point of a luxury enough of drafting a guy who doesn't and, and certainly would play? You can't drive after a guy 24 doesn't play, but maybe not necessarily start. I mean, I, and I've we can certainly hear what Trent Balky's saying loud and clear. This is going to be more about keeping what we have and supplementing through the draft. And if, if that is going to be your strategy, does it become more important that the draft pick is able to play right away? And does that dictate at all that you take? All wonderings that I have this morning, Hayes Carline. Yeah, and all good ones. I, I think if it if it's a edge rusher, I think you're talking about a player that if everybody's healthy, if Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker are healthy, he's probably playing forty percent of the time, you know, in, yeah. in a you know, key rotational role. Uh, and and so I, I think that's what you'd be looking at there. If it's a corner, you're probably looking at a player that can help more at nickel right away because they're paying Darius Williams $12 million this year. So I think he's going to start on the outside and obviously you have Tyson Campbell. Uh, and again, you know, the nickel would be actually, you know, on the field a bunch, you know, probably 65% of the snaps. Right. And, you know, if they go ahead and, you know, take like a best available, if it's, uh, you know, if it's Osiris Torrance out of Florida, who I, uh, you know, obviously I, I, I don't know that he'll be there, but if they elect to go offensive line uh, and and just say we're going to take a dominant left guard, obviously he would come in and he'd play every snap. All right. A couple of the national storylines percolating. One is what, I mean, boy, that escalated quickly. Yesterday morning, you're wondering, is Jalen Carter involved? And by the afternoon, he's arrested. And obviously that you would think would have some impact. But here's my take on that, Hayes. Here's what happens. A team drafts Jalen Carter number three, and oh my gosh, we 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 tisk and we wonder, and you know we we in some cases criticize. Am I to expect that Jalen Carter goes undrafted? So if you take him in round three, your praise is getting great value. Although there are some concerns. Ultimately, you know, does does it matter? You know what I'm saying? I, I wonder ultimately what this you know news that has come to light. Assuming that he gets out of it like most do in that situation. You know, as far as jail or anything else, is it does it really change anything at the top of the draft? What seems to be the thought there? I, I don't think it will, unless something else comes to light. But if and and not to dismiss this or anything, I mean, obviously it's a it's it's a really you know really tragic story. Um, but in terms of his involvement and his the legal ramifications of it, you know, I would think if if this is if 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 nothing else emerges from this. I would think Jalen Carter is still absolutely going in the top five. Yeah, I would think so too. And then we get to <laughs> Tom Thumb, uh, Bryce Young. And I, I mean, I heard Greg Cosell with you guys yesterday saying he heard he was 169 in the championship game. Now, there's two ways to look at that. I mean, half uh, every one of that D line is just going in the first round, either last year or this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, he held up against 
some some big baddies in the SEC. I guess the difference is every NFL game is going to be the biggest of the baddies, and it's a bunch of them coming at you every play. It I, look the game changes. We've seen quarterbacks get remarkably more, you know, less tall, shorter. However you want to phrase it, probably shorter. I mean, is there a bottom line when it comes to how much you weigh, and and, and can you withstand the NFL if you weigh 178 pounds at the quarterback position? It really is remarkable. I. Uh, you know the whole dynamic because he's such a brilliant player but he is he is tiny i mean you know i i think back to you know he was in a bunch of dr pepper commercials this year or maybe just one that they played a million times yeah 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 uh, and and the mom in the dr pepper video is bigger than bryce young <laughs> and i mean to me it's he is just so small but he's such an electric player i think it helps him the way the game is structured now i mean Again, not to say a defender mm-hmm. can't do it, but uh, they're not allowed to apply body weight now, That's which is going to really help him out. Uh, yeah, you get again, out of the pocket a lot more in today's NFL, so if you are only 5'11 and 3 quarters or 6 feet, you don't have to stand you know, in the middle of that, that, that canyon each and every play. They certainly can, can do some things that way, too. It's going to be – I've never – you know, it's so funny. It takes the low end of expectation for you to get intrigued by the measurements, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I I think he he's he has shown that he can play at such a high level that you know I think he'd be worthy of of being the first quarterback off the board. Um, and, and you know I just I again his his size is is a concern, but I think in this day and age it's just it's it's hard to it's hard to go after quarterbacks. And I think he plays. I think he's he's very smart in how he plays. So I think he won't take some of the contact that uh, that that other smaller quarterbacks have have taken, and and so yeah, I mean obviously if if he gets into positions that like Tua has gotten in, he's got a chance to get ragdolled. But I I think he's uh, got a little bit more savvy to his game. Anything else before we let you go? Hayes Carline with us uh, on the Fair and Fair phone lines live from the Combine. Our Combine coverage brought to you by Superior Fence and Rail. Any any other? I don't know. Um, thought or or bit of insight that is that you've kind of experienced this weekend being up there i think listening to john harbaugh yesterday uh the head coach of the ravens uh lamar jackson's going nowhere he was incredibly optimistic and upbeat about lamar jackson and uh in and that situation so i know there's been some speculation about could lamar jackson get traded uh if they can't come to you know a a, a contract extension i i don't think there's any chance of that i did john harbaugh seemed like a guy that knows he's going to have his quarterback this year yeah we got some quarterback clarity in a few spots uh hayes appreciate you getting up early with us today i know you guys are i uh, got long days up there but uh, we appreciate you thanks for uh uh th- thanks for taking us inside that combine you all have a good show and a safe trip back thanks so much jeff take you, care you betcha there's a hayes car line on the fair and fair phone lines come back with doc kevin murphy and we got Pat Dooley from Gainesville. I forgot, didn't forget, but we got Cat Chat today. We'll talk it up with the cat a little bit. Um, That's what we do, man. We're, we're Pat. And then Steve Sands at the Golf Channel coming up at 9 o'clock and Hall of Fame worthy. So uh, all that and more as we're up and rolling here on a Custom Tree Surgeons Thursday. You know, it's interesting. Doc Kevin Murphy in studio with us. Doc, how we doing? Good. You asked me a question that I was kind of thinking when you, when you ask. It's not necessarily medically involved as to an update, but we wondered with Tiger Woods after playing successfully out in L.A. if he would – Maybe play Bay Hill, where he's had a lot of success. Well, obviously that tournament's up and going, and, and he's not a part of it. And then you wonder about the players. I, I would, 
tend to think we would know by now if he were coming to the players. You know, I, I mean, obviously Tiger can decide on Monday, and in some cases he might. But as far as I know, yeah, there's no uh, no reports that Tiger would be here, which to me would say he probably would stick to that initial timeline, um, which would be the Masters in April. We're certainly past any recovery time specifically from that event. I mean, he's going to have issues no matter what he does, but from playing that golf event, he's right. Well, and he may have figured out uh, with his own physical capabilities what his downtime needs to be to recover for the next event. Yeah. So he's, he may have figured that out now that he can play every X number of months and and do well, or if he tries to do that too often, that, that swelling and the pain is going to really limit him and he won't be able to play well. E.T., you correct me if I'm misdiagnosing, the, misdiagnosing this. I, I haven't seen the still any specific come from your favorite basketball team, so I'm still going with sore foot for LeBron. Come on, man. No slander. We'll He's be. out with a sore foot. No slander. Doc, I mean, was Patrick Mahomes' foot sore when the Jags ripped it off and he played the rest of that game? Oh, yeah. He yeah. was limping around. He Was, was Patrick sore. Mahomes' foot sore the next week in the AFC Championship? Was it still, quote, sore in the Super Bowl, you think, Doc? It was. Yeah. Different what, circumstances. Yeah, he had, a, he had a significant ankle injury. What, what, is, what does he likely have, LeBron? And maybe, I mean, I don't know why they would if they're playing possum that he's got a Liz Frank or something else. It doesn't seem like he would be walking around in a walking boot, would he? Well, Liz Frank, mechanism of injury-wise, uh, that's usually more of a football thing where you plant your toe in the okay. turf and your foot kind of vaults in the middle across that. So, not as common in basketball. But basketball is more of the stress fracture kind of thing. He said he heard it pop, quote-unquote. Yeah, and he may have torn a ligament. He may yeah. have had a fracture. We, I think we'd know that by now. That's what my my question is. Yeah, what? Why would it linger as far? Like I, yeah, I've MRI. I playfully said, you know, you got to hold a press. You need to hold a press conference. Somebody come out here and show me an X-ray. And if I don't see a crack, we got a problem. Well, you can. That's being the, too simplified. Yeah, you can tear the plantar fascia on the, okay. the arch of the foot. There's a number of things if you hear a pop and something tears you. That but. They've MRI'd his foot. I guarantee you that. Oh, sure. So they know if there's anything that is significant, and we would have heard of that by now. Thank you, Doc. Voice of reasoning right there. No, what he's saying is there's nothing serious enough not to, I don't know, tough so it up and go surgery. play. No, not that he doesn't hurt. Not he your, needs some, not your some point, rehab. mine. Yeah, well, he made some rehab. What, what keeps you out? What's, what prognosis is two to three weeks, which at, is the same prognosis they won't tell you exactly what it is. I get he's got a sore foot. It's from something. It'd be nice to know what the something is, and I don't understand why that's not part of, like, the injury designation in the NBA policy. Yeah, frankly. if they say foot as opposed to ankle. Ankle, your your ligaments, you know, yeah. you sprain the ligaments. That's pretty standard time frame. Foot, you, you know, all those things come into play. The plantar fascia, the arch, you may have injured that. That takes, a, you know, it could be three weeks if you didn't fully tear it, uh, or he may have stress changes or a stress reaction on in the MRI of his fifth metatarsal, the base there that he had a partial tear of a ligament that attached there, any number of things. So yeah. again, we don't know, but if it's a three week return, nothing completely tore, he doesn't have a fracture. Yeah. And that was kind of question. I'm asking more. Yeah. I'd like to poke fun at ET, gets his dander up in there. But more than anything is to have a realistic expectation as a sports fan when he might return. If you don't know what the injury is, it's hard for me to ask you, Doc, when does LeBron return if you don't know anything more than he has his thought does every injury you just encapsulated give you a two- to three-week return? Yeah, if it's a partial yeah. and non-complete tear. So, again, if he, he's had an MRI, if he had a complete tear of something or had a fracture, we would certainly know about that, and the timeline would be more like six to 12 it, weeks. Excuse me for being a little bit dubious, right? I mean, I know how these pro franchises play the game. Poor Fred Taylor ripped the groin off the bone in week three and was listed as questionable by the team for the rest of the year for competitive purposes or otherwise. But in the meanwhile, you're putting kind of an unfair label on your guy who there's no human possible that comes back from something like this. So 
I mean, there's a fine line here for me. LeBron, uh, your guy, uh, E.T., is the one that came out and said it's the most important 23-game stretch of his career. So we either really embellish that, because if it is literally the most important 23-game stretch of your career, I don't know, I'm going to wrap that sucker up and see if I can get up and down the floor a couple times. I do hate that he said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doc, there's no, there's no formula here. I mean, you don't know until you know, but it, what weight is too light for an NFL quarterback, not a receiver who can contort and avoid contact and doesn't get hit but four times a game, a quarterback to go sit in the pocket with these 280-pound behemoths coming at you with blood in their eye. What weight is – now, Hayes Carlin made a great point when he joined us. The game has changed the rules. They don't let you put your whole body on them, so some things like that might help. But Well, he I mean, also physio- said they get out of the pocket, yeah. and a lot of times that's where guys have been hit. That's too. true, too. So, you know, there's a fine He's not a great there. runner either. It'd be one oh. thing if he were that size and he had Lamar's escapability. He can run if he has to, but he's not a, a true dual threat, it doesn't feel like. Yeah, how much did RG3 weigh? How much does yeah. Tua weigh? The, those are the numbers. I mean, you have 200 to is at. the answer on both of them. Yeah, he's, and he's less than that. Yeah. So, I mean, if he gets a lot of big hits, uh, and that's, that's going to be a hard thing. Yeah. Any chance, I mean, we don't have really an update, so we'd go by the same timeline on Colin Castleton, the Gators who broke that hand now two weeks ago. We're about seven days out, probably six days out from Gators playing in the SEC championship. Those those can fluctuate. I mean, you said three to six. Sometimes, though, you, you could you – is there a point where it gets healed enough but it's still maybe a little sore? And in an ideal world, if you're an accountant, you just keep it in a cast for another two weeks. But if you're a college basketball player, you, you know, like I did in college, cut it off my daggum self and see. Yeah, hand – fractures uh, four weeks to heal yeah and then it's a matter of how how much you want to push that there's certainly a little risk if you fall on it again at four weeks that you could re-injure it and and damage it to the point that you needed to, to fix it yeah I think four weeks would, would be a window that would get to the Gators to a stage of March Madness that I don't think they're heading to so we may have seen the last of Colin Castleton we shall see yeah he won't be back before yeah. four all right anything anything else Doc? with anything else I don't think have so. a great what are we doing today we're, we're all dapper over. What are we Office doing today? today at the beach. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he's dressed to the nines today. Doc Kevin Murphy, jacksportsdoc.com, and uh, Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. Doc, we appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Thank you, boy. All right, we're back here on a Custom Tree Surgeons uh, Thursday, uh, efforting a hookup with Pat Dooley from uh, Gainesville. We talk a little bit of Gators spring prospectus from a football uh, standpoint, and also kind of a, let's give a grade on year one for Todd Golden. And I think more importantly at this point, I think given what he had and where he came into and what they've ended up being so far, I think this year is an okay starting point. I mean, it's kind of in line with Mike White and Billy Donovan's first years, quite frankly. But the question is, where does um, where does he go from here? You know, I'd have to look back at what Billy and Mike White had as they headed into year two, as far as from a, a recruiting standpoint, um, or, or otherwise. And that does not seem to be what's kind of waiting in the wings here for uh, Golden's Gators, but we'll get more insight from that. Uh, Hopefully I'm on uh, Pat when we hook up with him. I told you you're going to get more updates from the PGA Tours Puerto Rico Open than have ever before appeared in Jacksonville media history because our man Matt Every uh, giving it a go down. It got off to a good start. I told you he was one under, right, and tied uh, at one point for the lead. Then was in a uh, long logjam tie for third. And I also told you with Maddie, what we got to avoid is the number. And I feel like I spoke this into existence because that one under par going to his uh, sixth hole of the day, it's a par five. Now, gang, what do PGA Tour players do on par fives? Hey, make up strokes. Oh, we make a double on 15. 
He started on the back. Make a double on our six hole. We go from minus one to plus one. And so with that, uh, Matty E is at one over par and now just among a massive group of, of players and um, and prospects. And in some uh, instances, the big news on the PGA Tour uh, yesterday involves these new fields. And we'll talk more golf with Steve Sands when he joins us coming up in the in the nine o'clock hour. Uh, we've talked a lot this morning, uh, including a visit with Hayes Carline a half hour or so ago, just about what's going on uh, at the Combine. And, and I think that it's, you know, the news cycle here is is about what happened with Jalen Carter at Georgia. Now he's been arrested and, and charged with racing in, a, in an accident that killed a couple of people. And we can all wonder, you know, what, what the outcome may be. But Rick Spielman is, quite frankly is an NFL executive that for about three days we thought was going to be part of the chain here in Jacksonville. Remember that? We were all set for Rick Spielman to become the president of football operations. Suddenly it's like Doug Peterson and Trent Balky are like, wait, what? Um, and, and that position was never formed here and he never came here, but he did give his perspective on what's going on with Jalen Carter. I would suggest that Jalen Carter's draft status is not going to be affected. They'll look past what the, if he's not charged with something that makes him ineligible, they will look past. Now, whether the NFL steps in, you know, I don't know. I can't recall if they do that with draft eligible players or they have to be in the league when they institute their, you know, their policies. I'm not sure. So I, I but look, here, here's the reality with Jalen Carter. He's either in the draft or he's not. Now, if you legitimately, because of this, it scares you off. It scares you away from him because of, it scares you away from him because of decision-making or otherwise. There will be some that probably do fall into that category. You know, at the end of the day, you you were deciding between Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, and I got one who's working out and doing everything I'm asking and has done everything at the college level, and I got another who's not here at the combine because he's facing, you know, legal charges. So maybe that affects it a little bit, but if you believe in Jalen Carter, the player, you shouldn't be any more scrutinized for taking him number five than if somebody else took him in round, round two because of the, quote, value. I mean... The incident, the situation, it, it is what it is, regardless of whether or not the biggest issue here, this just happens to be a football player who's well-known that has um, ramifications immediately. Just happens to be that, but this is more indicative of society as a whole. If, if, if E.T. and I are out one night and I got three other dudes here or E.T.'s got three other dudes from 1010XL and we're acting the fool and we're racing at each other on the highway and we're acting irresponsibly and as we go along, I see E.T.'s car flies off the road, overturns, and uh, let me tell you what I'd like to think I don't do. I don't drive off for a couple hours before I come back. I'd like to think that. You know, so often it's not not the mistake or the incident that happens. It's what, how do you respond? And I don't know the timeline of the injuries and what it led to. That's I don't know. And the only reason we know about this is because it's such a big news from the from the sports standpoint. Um, but I like to think, yeah, we 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 we've not passed the point in society where if something terrible happens, you can still make a difference in some way or another you don't drive away for two hours to save your own skin again a man can dream got another quarterback situation ranking I told you I love reading these this time of year 
These, uh, you know, we've there's different ways to characterize this. You can put them in tiers and call them elite, right? We saw Trevor made that list of whatever it was, seven elite franchise quarterbacks already, or six, whatever. I mean, he's already been there. And uh, ESPN will do a long, exhaustive column putting them in quarterback tiers. That's I-E-R-S. Again, for around here, it's been T-E-A-R-S. But as we head now in, into this offseason where there are some quarterback names percolating and there are some jobs that potentially could be open, it's time to take stock of just where each franchise stands in terms of its starting quarterback. And there are some, and thankfully we are one of them, that NFL free agency in the quarterback position I ain't got no time or interest in that. Y'all knock yourself out. Go chase you some Derek Carr. Been there, Nick Foles. So, uh, according to CBS Sports, 2023 NFL free agency kind of as the backdrop, but every team's quarterback situation ranked ahead in the offseason. We're 1-32 to here in tiers. This top category is called Locked and Loaded. It's described as these teams have no reason to look elsewhere, boasting proven MVP caliber talent under center. If they're not already happy paying lucrative money for their franchise signal callers, they will be soon. Okay, before I look and see what if we if we if we if we hit there, let's take a look at the next call. Are we to the point that we can definitively say that description sums us up? Let me say it again. Locked and loaded. Teams with no reason to look elsewhere boasting proven. MVP caliber talent under center. If they're not already happily paying lucrative money for their franchise signal caller, they will be soon. Does that describe us? Or I, I think it would when I go to the second. I'm, I'm skipping past where we fall, but I go to the second one and it's cautiously comfortable. These teams employ quality quarterbacks, some of whom actually have MVP potential, but for various reasons, pending free agency, inflated market, have some level of reason to be skeptical long term. This tier constitutes most of the NFL. Nope. We're going to be in that first group. That ain't us. There's really one quarterback that I wonder straddles that line right now. That's Lamar Jackson. I wonder which one he's in. Is he that top? I mean, he is an MVP. You want to talk about proven MVP level? He is an MVP. Yet here, uh, a quality quarterback, various reasons, free agent, market, um, you're skeptical long-term. That may sum him up as well. Let's go back to the top. We know what the top quarterback situation is in the league. In fact, I can tell you the top two, and I would guess three based on recency bias or fact or however you want to describe it. Mahomes is going to be one and Burrow is going to be two. And I would guess that Jalen Hurts is obviously a well-earned flavor of the year right now. I would guess he's going to be three. And then I would, I would guess that Josh Allen is still going to hold down the four spot. And then Trevor is going to show up fifth or, or sixth or seventh if, if Lamar is in that upper group. Locked and loaded is where we are at quarterback, gang, with MVP caliber talent. Yes, sir. Uh, Chiefs, number one. Bengals, number two. Eagles, number three. Jalen Hurts, you know, is some would argue may deserve number two. I, you know, I don't know. Joe Burrow did the same no, thing Jalen Hurts did. Yeah, not too soon. And at the end of the day, you almost have to ask it as if you're running your fantasy roster. It doesn't make you right or wrong, but to entrench your own opinion, ask yourself a question. Would I trade this guy for that one? If I had Joe Burrow, would I trade him for Jalen Hurts? No, I wouldn't. But at the same time, you could answer the question, if I had Jalen Hurts, would I trade him for Joe Burrow? Yeah, I know. Yeah. You might say no there, right? Yeah, probably. Maybe that's why this group is a group and very hard to split hairs. But they have Eagles and uh, the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. 
listed there third. Josh Allen does still check in fourth, so uh, here we go. Number five, the Chargers. All right. Your quarterback's elite. You're ready. Seems Trevor and our Jags may have played Justin Herbert and the Chargers twice uh, last year. Can you refresh me how that went? Whooped them. Mm-hmm. Both times. Yeah, the first game, Trevor had a real, br- uh, really, really good game out west. And then the biggest rags to riches, tale of two have story, maybe in NFL history, authoring one of the biggest comebacks in uh, the history of the postseason. But they do have Justin Herbert at five. And they do write this. Of all the elite quarterbacks, Justin Herbert is by far the quietest, not primarily in terms of soft-spoken leadership, but rather on-field results. In three years, he's 25 and 25, including the playoffs. Played it relatively safe as a passer. But that's more so an indictment of his setup. His early career numbers are still gaudy, and he's built a laser-armed pocket prototype. Number six, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Lost in all the moving parts of a forgettable rookie season, Trevor Lawrence was a different animal under competent, confident coaching from Doug Peterson in 2022. Ball control has flared up as an occasional issue. That's fair. We saw that against the Chargers. But it's apparent, especially after his historically resilient playoff debut, that he's got the calmness and Herbert-esque arm zip to restore hope in Jacksonville. So just what exactly happened? Our crew on the ground in Indianapolis got to visit with a variety of NFL guests. Greg Cosell's a friend of friend of the program. Had him on the drill a number of times through the year. He's, see, the nephew of Howard Cosell or the grandson? It's one of the two, but definitely a familiar relationship with uh, Howard Cosell, a world-famous, you know, well, personality really at this point, but broadcaster uh, at one. So, uh, Trevor Lawrence and the improvement that we saw, not just from year one to year two, let's don't forget the, the improvement we saw from like game seven to game 17, right? It was that hot stretch at the end of the year where he he became the guy that you could put on your back and count, that 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 you could get on his back and count on. He's going to make those goal line throws against the Ravens. Let's don't forget him, man. I mean, there's a lot of – he displayed that quarterback talent at a lot of different levels, whether he's zipping out quick outs, dropping between cover two, hitting guys in stride. I mean, I don't want to say anything, but the long touchdown by Zay Jones against the Chargers where he got wide open, we have had quarterbacks on our roster in the past that missed that throw. Throw it over his head or wobble it somewhere. And even the elementary you can take for granted, uh, at least now that hasn't always been the case. Here's Greg Cosell on just what – triggered with Trevor. He became so much more efficient in the pocket game because they shortened him. You know, he was a deliberate guy. Everything was deliberate. He was a big striding guy. I mean, yeah. he's 6'5", 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. He's kind of high cut and long legged. You know, they had to, he had to get quicker. You know, it's the NFL. You got to yeah. get quicker. Right. And they did a great, great job with that. And you saw the results. The guy had a really strong year. There's no reason to believe he won't continue to improve. So Aaron Rodgers has emerged from his, you know, uh, uh, what do we call it? Darkness treatment? What is it called? The, dark, the retreat. retreat. Yeah. And he's returned and he came out as loopy as ever. He went on this podcast yesterday who's this holistic, soulistic guide for him. And it gave him a lot of credit and then basically proceeded to say, I'm not a diva, I'm not this, and then said all the things that would make it seem as if you are. You know, at the end of the day, what Aaron Rodgers said, uh, you know, based on his perspective is not inaccurate, but there are more perspectives here than just Aaron Rodgers. And a couple things happened on the Aaron Rodgers front yesterday. The Raiders, by all appearances, have said they're out. We're not in the market for Aaron Rodgers. We got too many holes, including one at quarterback, they might add. 
We got too many holes. And Devontae Adams, you feel for that cat. It might be time for him to demand a trade. He went out there to play with his best friend from college, uh, Derek Carr. He gets booted. And then there's a lot of thought that, okay, my new best friend Aaron Rodgers will be coming out here. And now he's not. And now he's looking at the prospect of catching balls from what? Marcus Mariota resigning? Huh? Maybe they go get Jimmy G. That'd be a fit, right? Maybe that's what they're thinking. Maybe they're on the Jimmy G path. I shouldn't take that off the off the but does that, you know, does that float the boat of uh, Devontae Adams? I don't know, but he hey, you take all that money, this is what you deal with sometimes. It's those teams that need you so bad and aren't very good that pay you all that money and then suddenly you're stuck in a loser locker room and it ain't much fun after making runs in the playoffs with Denver. I mean with uh, Green Bay every year, I would think. Here's what Aaron Rodgers said yesterday. It is best for anybody who has an interest to make a decision sooner rather than later. Uh, this comes on the heels of what we told you the, the PAC's GM said about Rodgers, and it was certainly noncommittal at best. All options open was kind of the mentality. Um, Aaron Rodgers said this. I'm not looking for somebody to tell me what the answer is. All the answers are right inside me, and I touched on many of them and definitely feelings on both sides during the darkness. Thankful for that time. There's a finality to the decision. I don't take it lightly. I don't want to drag anybody around. Look, I'm answering questions about it because they ask about it. I'm talking about it because it's important to me. If you don't like it, if you think it's drama, you think I'm a, being a diva or whatever, just tune it out. That's fine. But this is my life. It's important to me. And I'll make a decision soon enough. And then we'll go down that road and really be excited about it. And that may be true. But Aaron Rodgers' version and definition of soon enough may not be the same as the Packers or the Jets or the Raiders a day ago, or anyone else that might be interested in employing me. At the end of the day, he's kind of got a $60 million golden parachute. I'm going to sit here all year, Green Bay. I'll be at camp in the middle of August. You don't want to play me? Oh, well. 60 mil, I guess I'll hold the... Now, I don't... I'm not suggesting that's the competitive mentality of Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure if he plays, he wants to play. But, I mean, at one point, you want you don't want to draw it out. You don't want to be a diva. You don't want to be dramatic. It's now been two months since the season ended. I mean, why couldn't we go on the darkness retreat? I don't know. At the end of February. I mean, the uh, end of January. Um, we want what's best for the Packers, what's best for Aaron. All options are on the table right now is what the GM. Not, oh, are you kidding me? This is Mr. Packer. You bet he'll be back. Um, Rodgers has just walked to the beat of his own drummer. There's no other way to say it. It is what it is, and he's right in some degrees. It necessarily some he's flaky, man. Right? This decision you make it. If it if it bites you in the butt, doesn't have anything to do with me, you, et, or anyone listening. If Aaron Rodgers, because of his darkness retreat and his delay and his flippancy, seemingly on some of this stuff, if it costs him a job, then Aaron Rodgers will have to own that. None of us. In the meanwhile, if you're a Packers fan or a fan of another team in a very passionate, driven National Football League, it matters to them, too. It's Custom Tree Surgeons Thursday. This is the drill. I'm going to find out what happened with Pat Dooley. We'll reschedule that for uh, maybe tomorrow. And we will uh, also return with uh, some cat chat and more next on a Custom Tree Surgeons Thursday. Hey! Happy Thursday, folks. Jeff just made it back into the studio here. I thought I was going to carry the entire segment solo. Talk about shark coatings for like what am I chopped liver? The next break. Who is my man? My man, me and E. We're just gonna sit here and oh, talk about oh, shark okay. coatings. <laughs> what are you even talking about? I mean, I think you made it back. You made it back. I don't need this. Let me give you a Puerto Rico open update. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, I had my man Maddie at 100, and then we made a double on a par five. Aye. It's never bueno. Let me see what we got here. 
What do you think caused the, the show me double? a birdie? I think he probably in the water. I think he probably hit one out of bounds. Uh, we're one under through seven. Let me see. I'll go to the old shot tracker in case you miss. I was seeing about oh, Maddie back. doing some radio with us tomorrow. I didn't hear back. I said, well, gosh, I know he's not in Bay Hill. Should I? <laughs> Maybe I should look at. Um... All right. From T. Yeah, yeah. Hit it out of bounds. That's all. Then he made a then, then he made a then he made a par. But yeah, he hit one out of bounds. That is so that may want to be most. Now, I'd say the most penal rule in sports is pass interference. Yeah. Or you can just uh, give a team 50, 60 yards on a nothing play. Second most in sports might be the out-of-bounds rule. Oh, that's the worst. You lose distance and a shot. I mean, you it's just. Re-tee, re-hit. From they should almost change that rule to just it's lateral everywhere. They've talked like, about that like in the past. Like all our buddies play? Like yeah. all our buddies play when you go play a golf? Lot, well, yeah. If, they, if they're playing for money, they'll do the new rule where they will let you take it out and hit four instead yeah. of three. But, I yeah. love I love that when when my buddies go, well, I'll just put it out here and I'll just hit four from here. And I'm like, yeah. but that's saying you would have hit a perfect third shot. But well, you're allowed to do that now is the point. That's legal? Yeah, where you been? The rules of golf change. If you hit it out of bounds, you can bring it out near where it's out of bounds. You can bring it out to the fairway and you can hit four. That's a new rule. Speed things up. You've been giving them a hard time. You don't that's know the rule. That's not a new rule. million percent. To the fairway? Yes. You lose an extra, extra shot, though. You're not hitting three. You're hitting four. So you go from where it went out of bounds, and you go basically to the perpendicular, like yeah. straight across. Yeah, yeah, and you got 160 yards for par. What's your objection here? I just what's the objection? I, should we drive all the way back to the tee and hit should, it again? You should have hit a provisional. Well, sometimes you do. I think you might have the option though. Why would you hit a provisional? No, you shouldn't. Not if the rule is you get to. The, if you blast one down and it trickles out of bounds, what are you going to hit one further? The rule was put in to speed things speed up. Speed things up. Yeah. Speeds play up. I get it. Yeah. yeah. USGA, they're trying to speed play up because the game is taking too long for most people to pick it up now. Takes a while. Yeah. Uh, it can take a while uh, here or there. We just made another bogey. We're at two. That's it. No more. I mushed. I've mushed this entire enterprise. We uh, speaking, of, speaking of golf and shark coatings, uh, it's funny. We were writing a, uh, a new ad, and one of the things we're talking about is for golf, uh, for, for golf programming. And one of the things we're talking about is we can finish a floor in less time than it takes to finish a round of golf. Like some of our guys will finish your garage yeah, yeah, yeah. in less time than it takes you to play around a golf. You let them in, you go run to the club, and you come back, and it's done. Is That's that what, what I'm you're saying. saying? You can literally let the guys in, open your garage door, you can head to go play golf. By the time you come back, your garage floor will be done. And so I, we're kind of right. I'm trying to write like a, a script along, you know, trying to put that whole put together. it along with yeah, yeah. Um, I think you can do it. I think I think we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but no, we got the uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational this weekend. We're uh, shark coatings. You'll see a couple ads in there. Well, come on, uh, God. You'll see a couple ads in that. Yeah, somebody asked me a question on the text line about one of the ads, and I don't even understand it, so I didn't want to do it. I didn't know it was a. Oh. Yeah. I... Polyurea. Correct. Everybody's looking the word up. Didn't, yeah. Didn't know I could say that word. Yeah. I just learned what it means a few years ago. It folks, says so. I'm, I'm going to say this. Ask the cat is polyurea close to the. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Ask him what what that is on his commercial. What is, I don't even know what this is. What did you do? What have you done? Our base coat, we use polyurea. We don't use epoxy. That's one of the things we talk about a lot. Okay. Is epoxy is a weak chemical epoxy. Do not use epoxy. Only, only way you should use epoxy on your floor or buy something from Home Depot is if you're selling your house within three months. <laughs> but we use polyurea as our base. So we put that into the commercial because we want people to understand we're not epoxy. While... While you golf for fun, your garage is done. Okay. You're welcome. Oh, the text line? Text is line is on my lifetime. We have engaged our army of mass on, marketers. Writing it down. Yes. While, this is like chat GPT right uh, here. Uh, while, you, using- while you golf for fun, your garage is done. <laughs> Sharp. 
floor coatings. Shout out to Text Line. Man. I love it. Way to go, Text <laughs> Look what Line. what they do, man. Have you gotten into Chat GPT, by the way? I don't even know what that is. So I guess the answer would be no. Yeah. Holy cow. AI. Yeah, no, I don't seen, like AI. It scares you, me. I want to die before AI gets too popular, before they take over the earth. It's too late. I, it's I, too late. Chat GPT. Well, the problem is half of these people that make these outrageous comments on, on like social media aren't people at all. They're just AIs that have been programmed to lean one way or the other. It's a, we've gone down a remarkable rabbit hole. So what is this? What are you even talking about? Chat what are you now? Chat GPT. Okay. Chat GPT, you look it up. Uh, it's it's been going since about October, November. What's the chat part? What does that mean? It's AI. It's 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 not a person. It's you can ask it anything. You ask it anything so you want. So it's Siri. It's not Siri. It's different than Siri. It can write for you. It can it can write copy. It can it can make websites. It can create for you entire ad campaigns, entire entire social media campaigns. All those things you think about. Oh, I'm, I don't know what to write in here. It literally can, you can say, write me 30 that's, different. Yeah, that's uh, not, no bueno. It's, it's insane. And the stuff, stuff you can do with it when you go down the rabbit hole with some of the AI uh, websites coming out now. Yeah, it's, it's frightening. We're all done. Polyurea also means excessive urination if spelled a different way. So <laughs> be careful. When you're- hey, it's working, though. I wanted people to look up the term. So they understand what it okay. is. Okay. I mean, I, maybe if we're going to inspire the masses, let's come up with a better target. <laughs> We're trying to educate people, and we're trying to have some fun. No, man, we just we coat concrete. We don't we don't take ourselves too seriously. But it's amazing how your perspective on the Jaguars changes when you pick twenty fourth versus picking the top five or ten. Right. And the biggest difference is when you pick in that top five. We talk about three or four specific players. Will it be Hutchinson or yeah. Trayvon Walker or yeah. X? Will it be you know in the quarterback? Will it be Leonard Fournette or Deshaun? Whoever, right? But when you pick down there in the twenties, mid twenties, late twenties. You're more just trying to figure out what position they would take. Sure. I mean, you can't go into, oh, it's going to be Evan Kincaid. Well, we're back to best available player type stuff, aren't we? That's what I mean, I'm wondering. I don't know if that, I mean, I, look, that's always relative. If your best available player is a quarterback, you wouldn't take him. I know that's going you know, way to the other extreme. Yeah, but at, at 24, <laughs> you're not going to have a quarter, you're not going to have, you're going to have a handful of players all ranked very similar. Like, there's there's not going to be a, Unless somebody falls. Unless somebody falls. Yeah. That was supposed to get Who would high. you take in an ideal world if – not who. What position? Again, back to my initial point. In an ideal world and all variables are the same, what would you – and basically I think we're down to really three options that are going to happen Do here. I get – It's either going to be an edge defender, a cornerback, or a tight end, it feels like. Now, I wouldn't be shocked, depending on what happens with Jawan Taylor, if an offensive tackle to develop doesn't come – there, if there's a great one. I don't know. I'm not saying that's the right move, but it wouldn't shock me. Well, that's what I was going to say. Do I get to say we're keeping Juwan Taylor? Well, that matters. Right. Because that makes But I, you could almost argue, Kat, and I get this argument if someone made it to me, and it's why even though I could see it uh, cha- drafting a tackle, and I've even at some parts of this offseason thought I would do it, I wouldn't do it. The defense is what has to get better. The offense is ready-made, bro. Yes. It's got the whole team back. All they're doing is adding Calvin Ridley and losing Juwan Taylor. That's it. Everyone else is back. If Juwan Taylor goes away, then you definitely got to look offensive line. But I'm I'm on. Give me the hogs. Give me the beef. Give me give me a big guy. Back to the Coughlin philosophy. You know when you John Henderson and Marcus Stroud and all that. Give me the big guy. I want I want a big guy on the offensive line because protecting protecting Trevor. I, it is, but is, it, is he, the most important does, thing. Does he protect him if he's standing on the sideline with his helmet under his arm? You only have two. That's you the only, problem you with only an have offensive two, tackle. You only have two for. For how many games? One's going to go down. I, I get it. Every year. We drafted Walker Little. 
you know, a couple years ago as a second rounder, and he's only played a handful of games, and he did this year because we did have that season ending. Do you do you go to a position that is solid and use a first round pick, or do you go to one that is sketch and use a first round pick? That's yeah. you know, you weigh that in. I, look, I'm sure with these guys, it's a lot more meaningful, but it's probably not a whole lot different from what everyone out there does on their fantasy draft. If I take receiver here, what running back do I get there, or vice versa? Tough call. You get you get the best cornerback, and he makes your defensive line better. You get the best edge rusher, he makes your cornerbacks better. Sure. So I don't. I and and I'm sure there are there's some expected improvement from a bunch of young guys. We Tyson Campbell and Cisco and. And Walker, they're all young players. You hope they're going to get better, but they're all Lloyd and Muma, and we got a lot of guys that are getting into that. If they are going to improve, now's when you see it, right? Between years three and seven, you become all-star players. We'll see if if that happens. My answer would be, now after talking for five minutes here, my answer would be defense. I would go with defensive line simply because I want the guy. I think Trevor— Well, there you go. You you, You came up with it. I th- yeah, I think defensive line, because I think we're in that position now with the elite quarterback we have. You just read the list there. He's six. I think he's ahead of Herbert, but whatever. Um, we and, have and, a if you're, and, and Lamar has an argument to be ahead of both of them. For sure, for sure. It's a different, uh, different way of playing the game, but so is Jalen Hurts. And if he's third, I, is Jalen Hurts better than Lamar? Maybe. I but don't know. Lamar's just a question mark because we don't know what's coming back. And what you got injury, the injuries what, yeah, two years right. in a row, and then once you start getting leg injuries with a guy who is so good with his legs, it scares you more. But I think we have the guy like Peyton and Tom that makes their offensive line look much better than they are yeah. because he reads the defense better and because he gets rid of the ball quick. The offensive line, you know, Peyton and Tom had offensive linemen go to the Pro Bowl simply because of them. They didn't give up a sack. That's because they got rid of the ball. Well, there's, there, yeah, that's a and so I combined Trevor, effort. I think Trevor can correct the mistakes an offensive line will make uh-huh. because he's that good. Yeah, we need the guys to get to the other quarterback. I just feel we like the offense the is going to score thirty. I mean, it's right. not every, they're going to score thirty points a game. He's going to throw for forty four hundred yards and have thirty five touchdowns. And we're going to we're going to we're going on offense. It's the defense got to catch up. If we're going to win a Super Bowl, the defense has to catch up. It doesn't have to be the best defense in the league, but it's got to be Chiefs good. Yeah, but think about when Peyton was at his best and the Colts were at their best. When he, they go down and score, their offense dictated what their defense had to do. And so they, they were constantly rushing the quarterback. That's why they had well, here's Mathis an, and all those guys. Yeah, and I'll give you another point of fact that's going to happen. You know, we didn't play this season from, from the lead. Even the exciting games we won, we were kind of, when you make the other guy pass, when suddenly you become the team that has the 17-3 lead, you know, it's amazing how your sacks can go from 30 to 48 because the other team's having to pass, pass it, and you know yeah. they're yeah. passing it. So that's going to free some things up as well. Uh, while you fudge your score, we'll finish your floor. Oh, i got to write that one down. While you fudge your score, we'll finish your floor. I, that could get a little tricky in the, you know, trying to say it. <laughs> By the time you shoot around, your brand new floor will be down. <laughs> I got it. Can That's like a dad me, joke. Can you send me the screenshots of this stuff? Like, I want to put these in spots now. Just literally, I just want to put, hey, how many you got there? I don't know, four or five. Give me, give me all five of those. I mean, what e. am I, your secretary? I, I, mean, can't, I don't I'll put it up text. over there and you t- t- transcribe it all. Give I can't me, just I do it all by five. Buttons. Oh, it's now the, he's pounding on it like a j- like Bobo the Chimp <laughs> over here. <laughs> Stop it. To, I don't know how to access the 1010XL Studio 2. As you're yelling for, we'll be doing your floors. Some of these are similar. I'm going to string all these together. 
for our next 30-second spot. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you need. Um, we're going we're gonna to use the Googans for the next 30-second spot. Keep now, I've, now you've sent me down the polyurea excessive urination wormhole. What the hell is happening here? Uh, that's shark floor coatings. What, what do you got, friend? What, what do you get? What, hey, right now, what, what, we, last got, bit of what we got right insight. now is we got home show starting tomorrow. Uh, we'll be at the Prime Osborne. It's only three days this year. Uh, but we also have at Shark Coatings, I told you about pools. Right now is the time to get your pools done. We're actually running a pool special because we want to do your pools now and not in the summer because in the summer it's really hard to get them done with all the rain. So we're trying to get as many pools done as we can now. So if you've ever thought about getting your pool recoded, now is the time to do it. It's a crazy, crazy sale going on. All right. Well, that's Catch Hat brought to you each and every Thursday. So well, we'll be back. We're going to do the 10-minute drill when we come back, E.T. Let's hit some of the headlines. We're bouncing around a bunch. And then Steve Shark Sands. Coding. From uh, NBC and the Golf Channel scheduled to join us in the uh, 9 o'clock hour as we head on the biggest uh, golf week of our um, area, for sure, with the players next week and other percolating golf issues, which including some... Shark Coatings uh, is presenting the broadcast of the players next oh, week. I figured you'd be on CW, if you know what I mean. We are. This is the drill. It's a custom tree surgeon's Thursday. Hit it! All right, cruising along on a Custom Tree Surgeons uh, Thursday. No job too big or too small. My friends at Custom Tree Surgeons will do you right, so you probably don't need them right now, but when you do, one thing less on your to-do list. Don't go shopping around. You call Custom Tree Surgeons. I'm telling you, the job, the upfront, everything about them, just perfect for our listening audience, and um, we appreciate you out there this morning. It's time to offer up some of the headlines from around the, uh, the sports world. We call it the 10-minute drill. We'll give away a prize pack coming up at the end. Before we get started... Boy, I look at this list that was released yesterday by the NFL Players Association, and I say Doug Peterson did an even better job for for creating the the chemistry and you know the 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 you know environment that he did in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? Didn't you get the feel as a team that loved each other? It was a happy team, a family. Yeah, they had a real good vibe, didn't they? Like they hung out together, like on the weekends. I stuff. give them even more credit. When the NFLPA releases organizational report cards when it comes to certain areas that are important to players, the Jaguars ranked as the 28th best team in the team guide. One of the worst ranked franchises in the league. No shortage of complaints shared by player respondents. When asked what the number one thing they want changed at their facility, the answer was unanimous. Get rid of the rats. And we don't mean Urban Meyer. Players reported that for three to four weeks this season, there was a rat infestation in the locker room and laundry hampers. The second issue was the players feeling the team can take better care of their families. For example, because they do not offer a family room like most NFL teams do in their stadium, there were instances where players' wives nursed their babies on the floor of a public restroom. Weight room, training room, all subject of players' complaints. Now, listen, you want to talk about the biggest jump in the history of NFL that's going to be this ranking because guess what? The new training facility and family room, it's coming. They're building it right now. The, the stadium renovations, which will take care of all that, that is also coming. But you get a glimpse now why it's so important for, for Shad Khan and for the team and for the NFL to improve things down there. You are sitting on a river. You put stuffs up around rivers. Rats come around. You've been around a long time. They find their way in, don't they? But who wants to go to work tour? Would you, where you work, do you want to go to that? Here, there, or anywhere. I don't want to go where I, I – I expect you never see a rat where I work. For real, like anywhere. That, that's a fair hope. 
So here are the categories and here are the grades. Treatment of families from their own players, Jaguars, F. Food service, nutrition, D. Weight room, D+. Strength coaches, A-. Training room, D-. Training staff, A. Locker room, D-. It's not the people. It's the facilities that the Jaguars players, you know, take exception with. 28th out of 32. They get a B in team travel. Their highest uh, rank was tie for ninth training staff with A. I guess nine teams put A, uh, or maybe there's an A plus, and they didn't go that far. But anyway, not that it matters too much, but just uh, kind of interesting for the the, the players' uh, association to even put out a uh, a list like this. All right, let's get to some of the other um, headlines, and we got Steve Sands, the Sandman, coming up here in the nine o'clock hour. John ja Morant, man, I, I uh, he needs a mentor. Yeah, it, it's not as, you know, Usher lookalike dad who kind of gets into it at games as well. Right. If you haven't heard the story, it now comes out that back in July, John Morant punched a kid in a pickup game at the park. Multiple so, times. So much wrong with this. First and foremost, you are an NBA superstar. You don't go run hoops at Bruce Park. You go to your gym, you train, you work. You go play in the summer league. You don't go over to Burnett and play with a bunch of guys that got nothing to lose and and everything to gain and shutting you down or you up or you off, whatever it is. But there's too many instances here where it seems like Morant himself is the aggressor, is the problem. Not He's not being caught up in a problem. He's the problem. He's a part of it. Whether it's his, the, the group of people that he was with in Indianapolis where they say the Pacers employees say they had a gun pointed at him with a, with a laser scope. Laser, uh-huh. Or whether it's this, where John Morant says it wasn't his fault, he was defending himself. Kid's 17 years old, man. Here's a way to defend yourself. You're an NBA all-star. Don't go run hoops at the park. Don't carry weapons around with you. This is not going to end well. They're accusing him of carrying a weapon. Yeah. The teenager is. So, you know, I. this is how it went. If you ever played ball in the park, there's a culture. I get it. Yep. If you ever run ball in the park, I ran ball in the park, man. I mean, I know, I get it. Howdy doody here. I ran ball in the park for, year, for dozens of, dozens, 15 years I ran ball in the park. You check in, you fires it back at you a little too hard. Yep. You fire it back at him a little too hard. And maybe you're chin to chin. You're not just going to check me like that. That's right. And then you're going to talk and you're going to play and you better be able to take it. If you can't run with the smack, then you're, you're at the wrong spot. Yep. Go play over at the church league. There's a culture. If you're going to play at the park, you're going to play by park rules. Sometimes park rules in. I've seen it all. Sometimes park rules in with a dude going to his car, getting out his jumper cables, and coming back like a rootin' tootin' cowboy swinging those things. You know, that's true story. Saw a dude go grab a pipe out of his daggum car and come back and whack a guy when he went. I'm telling you. You don't go rolling into the parks of Memphis or Dallas or wherever John Morant was. And play that game. There's too much at stake. And then you don't beat up a 17-year-old. Not cool. KD made his debut last night. Gosh, he's so smooth. He's good, man. He is good. <laughs> it's just in. <laughs> the 1010XL scouts, ET and I, have decided this Durant cat's pretty good. <laughs> now, there are some that will argue that they have unlikable players. Some people don't like Chris Paul. Some people don't like Devin Booker. Some people don't like their – I would contend that overall, to your average fan – this will be the most likable situation that Kevin Durant's been in. He wasn't likable with that Brooklyn concoction. Oh. 
he wasn't likable when he went to Golden State because nope. too soon. You ran off from a team that was good yeah. and left him high and dry to go play with a winner. I'll say that he was, it, it'll be the most likable he was since OKC because he was likable there. For sure. Yeah, he, he was uh, he was likable there, and and he kind of lost that likability, and, and now I think he's maybe back in a spot because he, he, he's a really good player. And he's also one of these players, uh, as opposed to the rest of the alpha dogs in the NFL, he doesn't feel like he has to be this show. He's content to go out, do what he does for his team to win and, and win championships. And, man, after just just one night, the, I mean, you got to understand, this dude just came back from a month off, yeah, and he's playing for a different team. He went 10 to 15, scored 23, 25 points, and, you know, there they go. So, <clears throat> boy, smooth, though. He is a smooth joker. Um, this situation at the combine, man, with the with the uh, Jay, what's his name, Jaden, Jalen, Jalen Carter, man, it's I don't know. There was a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, one of the analysts said something about character flaws, and we were like, well, like that was Todd McShay, right? And he took a beating, was accused did. of being a racist, and this, that, and the he other. Did. And if it, if he was already sniffing this story, then he's probably owed an apology. That's fair. Yeah. And it's just, you know it's just a tough situation. Like what's going on at, at Georgia just in general? Like those play, it's like the Wild Wild West out there. Uh, somebody on the text line said it's kind of getting that 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 Canes vibe. Yeah, right. It, it when, is. Yeah, I you know I I don't know. I do know this. We'll make a racket about it now. But once you get to mid October and Georgia's number one and they're facing nobody going to care. Right. Yeah. If it's you're just winning, a reality. If you're winning. Yeah. Championships, you're producing, nobody cares. Too much happens in today's world of instant analysis and news. You're lost in the shuffle really quick. We'll see where it where it initially phases him. And I'm not minimizing what he did. It's despicable to leave your friends laying in a ditch in an overturned car and to leave for two hours. Yeah, that's that, just that's, gross. That's tough. Man. I got a problem with that. Of all these, quote, inappropriate questions that they're allegedly asked at the Combine, well, you just answered one of those inappropriate questions for me. Hey, if your buddies were dying in a ditch, would you help them or would you leave? Now, if you ask a prospect that at the Combine, here comes you losing your seventh-round draft pick. Well, I got the answer on that one. So, yeah, from that standpoint. Oof. All right, let's do this. That's the uh, Tim and the Drill. Those are kind of the three of the percolators here uh, this morning. And um, we got some golf updates for you. They are playing. I, again, I'm obsessive, obsessing here on uh, Matt Every three over through nine at the Puerto Rico Open. But the Arnold Palmer invitation is is underway as well. So um, we have a uh, a lot to, to get to. Um, McShay predicted the future question mark. So perhaps he said this before that happened. Right? Yep. Now, but we did learn that he had that car incident like the year before, and, and maybe it happened. So, yeah, that, um, you can't predict the future. That's that's fair. In my timeline, in my head, those comments came after this accident would have happened, and this accident didn't happen until after the national championship game, and somebody sent me a, a, a screen post of Todd McShay's comments in mid, mid-December. So, at the time, they would have applied, and I guess, yeah, he did predict the future. But perhaps what he knew is part of what he was talking there's this he was right no matter if he predicted it or not yes if you have quote character concerns they just played out absolutely he left the scene of an accident where death occurred where he was racing the other car so i guess yeah you're right he can't say that he took it before but he could still answer and say well i then he was right either way i mean regardless of the timeline we'll talk uh, steve sands of the golf channel nbc when we return you're listening to the drill 
We got a prize pack. What? Um, where are we going here? What caught? What? What are we doing? What are we giving? Oh, we oh give, man! Yeah, baby a, making music. Yeah, a pair of tickets to Wu Tang Clan right. and Nas live at Daly's Place on September 23rd. Tickets go on sale Friday at 9 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. Oh, by the way, that player survey that we did get into would have been the not this season, the one before. That makes more sense too. Although it is interesting that the training staff and some of the others didn't get terrible marks. All right, we continue with our number four next. All right, here we go. It's time to talk golf. Most illustrious guest in the history of our radio program. You know him, you love him. Dear friend, Steve Sands, the same man. How are we doing, my man? Good to talk to you. Where are you at? You've got issues. You've got issues, Prosper. I, I do. I have a Sands issue. I have a Sands problem. I can't get enough of them. <laughs> God. I'm busy. I have to, you have to. Uh, you realize, huh? you realize, Prosper, I don't mean to cut you off. Do you realize that we've been doing these things probably for 20 years and maybe even more? And they play that song in rehearsal. Because one year I was doing, uh, this is a true story. One year I was doing the U.S. Senior Open. It was in Oklahoma City, uh-huh. the Oak Tree. And you and I were doing a radio interview on your show, uh, the most popular show in all of Northeast Florida. Thank you, buddy. We're shooting um, for bigger, even bigger. <laughs> and the best, by the way, not just the most popular, oh, and oh, the best. There's only two of us. And so I was on speakerphone in a car, and I was about to go play golf. It was early in the morning. And Tom Randolph, who's a co-producer of NBC Sports uh, golf coverage, who lives in Ponte Vedra Beach, was in the car with me in the parking lot of the golf course. I was doing the interview with you, and we were about to go play. He heard that music as the lead-in, then told the producer, Tom <laughs> Uroy, who also lives in Sure, Ponte we know Tom, right. You bet. And they have played that song in rehearsal literally <laughs> ever since. Yeah. And I, oh. I think, what are we, in 2023? We get I genuinely <laughs> think that was 10 years ago. I think it was longer than they that. They played man. it every yeah. single rehearsal because <laughs> of Jeff Prosper. Ah, that a boy. I'm making an impact on the national broadcasting scene. I didn't my, even know it. You yeah. know what I mean? And by the way, yeah. and I hate to, I won't use this as an outright indicator of your age, uh-huh. um, but it's a lot longer than 10 years ago, friend. Maybe when they heard it, but we've been doing the Sandman intro for even a lot longer. Oh, than no, that. no, no, yeah. no, I know yeah, that. Yeah. You're saying, saying as far as when that, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. We've been you. doing this forever, but for them, it happened because Tom Randolph was in the car. Yeah. He laughed so hard at that <laughs> introductory I haven't music. seen him in a while. Is he still with y'all? Randolph? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. yeah I haven't Randolph seen him in a while. I used, used to run into him. Um, Randolph is a legend. Before we get into some golf takes, I am interested to get your opinion on have you got your Jaguar season tickets yet? I mean, you're ready to jump on board here? The tra- <laughs> Trevor, Trevor train. I mean, it's just a short drive up for you in that busy offseason. I mean, I know you're pulled to the Safeway Classic out there somewhere, but maybe make some time to come up here and check out the boys. Well, a couple of things. First just drop of all, the Safeway on you. First of all, <laughs> sports is about loyalty, all right? Yeah, it is. You're loyal to Washington. Stay, That's a shame. I will stay a Washington fan my whole life. Let hey, me know when you win that Super Bowl, Jeff. Oh, wait, wait. Don't get let mad at him, Jack. Hey, Jag Nation, don't get mad. Don't blow him up, Jag Twitter. Let me know when Friendly you Friendly fire. He's just, <laughs> just defending himself. Steve Sands a good dude. He hey, would root man. for the Jaguars, yeah. Hey, we thought it was cute when we won our first, and then we won another one. And then you know what? 
Then we won a third one. <laughs> Giving him an out. He just won't take it. All right. See. You better go with some folks in Dallas. Yeah. The last time you – hey, listen. The last time your Washington team did win one, you and I were eating cold chicken watching Steve Spurrier press conferences. <laughs> in, in standard definition, by the way. In standard definition. It was a different game. Uh, let, me, let me just say two things about your Jack. Yeah. Two things about your Jack. Sure. First of all, when you have a coach and quarterback who are in sync, no offense to your hero, Urban Meyer, but when you actually have a real NFL coach, you actually can see what talent can come through with. And Trevor Lawrence can play. That defense has some pieces. There's some weapons on that team. Doug can coach. And I thought that comeback against the Chargers was crazy. so much fun to watch. Yeah. My God, it was so much fun to watch. And then, oh, man, Prosser. I'm not saying that they would have beat the Chiefs. I'm not. But. Man, if we don't fumble that go- that ball inside the five yard line, I still I didn't. Get, I still didn't. I didn't get enough slow mo replay on that. I, I just. Yeah, it was, it was a fumble. But listen, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I watched yeah. the next week and it wasn't the same play. That's, exact, so. that's, exa- that's exactly right. You know, exactly. I was going to say that, but let me say, if they if they score on that drive, and the pressure flips over to KC, not saying they would have stopped him and would have won. They still would have been behind, but man, I would have loved to have seen that happen. Arrow point. Jags played so well, man. Yeah, arrow arrow pointed up. I mean, we're about to have a nice little run here for for a decade. Hopefully, we can get that Super Bowl that, as you've reminded us, would be our cute first. So, um, (laughs) hey, man, just get there. You you don't have to win one. Just get there. On a scale of one to ten, on importance (laughs) of viability, competition, future. Yeah. What would the the, the 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 these these live? I would, I don't want to call them ratings. They weren't even ratings. This, these live hash marks in their debut on CW against a lesser field that the PGA Tour would normally offer. What what's this on the scale of importance one to ten? That that massive fail out of the gates. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting. I've been asked this a thousand times, as sure. you can imagine. I'm sure you have too. When you and I, you and I are as big as sports fans as we know, all right? We all have dipped into the XFL dipped into the USFL, dipped into leagues that, you know, are going against, you know, the standard uh, of the sport. And then it just kind of fades away. I think the most troubling thing about those ratings are not actually the ratings themselves. What What's most troubling is the first time out of the box on television, normally in sports, is like a big splash. And then the ratings just die from that. That's that's fair. See the XFL, the USFL. They're all they've right. all done that. Yeah. Sure, sure. I mean, I watched the uh, is it the XFL or USFL that's going on right now. The XFL. I watched the game. I don't know. Week and a half ago on opening opening weekend, I kind of watched. And I was like, oh, okay. I have not watched since. And not that I didn't like the product. I just haven't watched since. The curiosity was there, and I haven't watched since. If the curiosity wasn't there week one on TV for the first time then where's it going? And to me, that means it's going down. And, and I think that's a bad sign uh, for Liv. I just, I don't know if the sports fan pros is, is into that. I don't think the golf fan. People want competition. Sure no, I'm sure we're going to get into the, the, the new changes on the PGA tour. Yeah, that's but what we're about to do. I think I, exactly. And I think that what Liv has done has, has pushed the PGA tour in a certain direction. And I think it's interesting. Um, how it's all playing out, but for live, it's just not real golf. You know, it's not real competition. That's right. It's like watching it's, one of those Friday after Thanksgiving events. Exactly. You know, when you're in, when you think of professional, I, I think this is strange because I, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm I said this Monday, school. I said this Monday, 
What's that? When you go out there in shorts, you just give off this member guest vibe, man. It just doesn't feel like yeah. it's doesn't feel like it's official golf. I'm sorry. Yes. You and I love the sport, okay? You and I would have given anything to be good enough, to work hard enough to get to the PGA Tour, okay? One of the things that I've always found so interesting about this particular sport is that we all aspire to be a professional golfer. And one of the things that separates them from us is the shorts, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> like, it doesn't. From a perspective look standpoint. Right. Well, it's true. If you put it in context, in the proper context, it doesn't look right when professionals are wearing shorts. And that's because. They're the gold standard of the game. We all played high school football or basketball or baseball. We wear the same, you know, pads and uniforms. It all looks kind of the same, just different uniforms, different colors. In golf, amateurs wear shorts. Hacks like us wear shorts. <laughs> Professionals wear pants. Golf trips to stream song, you wear shorts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you and I go play a $10 Nassau, yeah. we're wearing shorts. Maybe um, even untucked. We have beers and empty cans. Just the vibe. Then you got the you got the reggae music wafting through the palms, like the yeah. the wives are already at the mixer waiting on the boys to come in. I, I playing for these big I, checks that mean absolutely nothing. I just it's just the whole thing is off putting to me. I, I, if I'm going to watch competitive I, golf, I watch Chris Kirk and you know down the stretch with for something that means something a thousand times I, over Charlie Three Sticks cashing a check. Well, I'm, I'm not making fun of Charlie Three Sticks, but <laughs> the competition level out there. Is, is making a few people rise to the top of leaderboards that would never rise to the top of leaderboards on the PGA Tour. That, that speaks to the level of competition that you have at, and live. And look, the music, the shorts, the shotgun start, the 54 holes, um, the no cut, uh, there's a lot going on there. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, sports is about history. It's about legacy. And yes, there's a lot of money involved. And when there's something meaningful that you're watching, that has some meaning to the audience. When you're watching something that feels like an exhibition, then you're going to treat it as an exhibition. And I think the audience has proven that they don't have an appetite for exhibition golf at the highest level. If they want that, they can just go to their local golf course and watch that. If they want to watch the best players in the world, you have to watch the PGA Tour. And that's a, that's a credit to the tour. All right, so if you now turn your attention to the PGA Tour and you say, well, hold on now, if the cut's so important, why are we doing 70 to 78 with no cut eight or ten times next year? The response? You know, when I first saw it, Jeff, I don't know about you, my first reaction was, wait a second, limited fields, no cut? I don't know about that. You know, the WGCs, the World Golf Championship events, they kind of dissipated because it just didn't, it just didn't have any juice anymore. And now they seem like they're going back in that direction. And then you start diving deep into it. As long as there's movement in and out of those designated events, which there will be, and there'll be more movement than people realize, I think that's a good thing. Uh, I am not a fan of the no-cut thing. However, I think when you're pushed in a direction that the tour has been pushed in, and let's face it, for the first time, they've been really, really pushed by a viable financial option for the best players. You've got to cater to the best players in the world. You do. Michael Jordan means more than the guy who's 12th on the bench. That's just the way sports is. When you're dealing with stars in sports, and PGA Tour and every other sport has stars, yeah. they, have to be, they have to abide by the same rules 
but they do need to be treated a little differently. It's kind of like your children. You love them all the same, but you treat them, and, and the rules are the same, but you have to treat them differently based upon how their personality is. Some yeah, kids their like, behaviors are, are okay sure. getting some exact. Some kids are okay getting yelled at by a coach. Some kids crumble when yeah. a coach yells at them. So in this case, if you don't cater to Rory and Rom and Justin and Jordan and all these big stars, then you know you have you you might lose them. So you've got to do something that's going to change in their favor. Well, I personally don't like the no cut thing, Jeff, but I understand what the tour is doing. And I think people need to just wait and see how it all plays out. These last four or five weeks on tour in these designated events have been fabulous. I'm not sure why they felt the need to change the numbers from 120 players or so down to 70 or 78, but that's something that we're going to have to wait and see how it all plays out. But on the surface, they're doing what they think is best to make sure that their product is presented in the best light. And I think that's what they, they're trying to do right now. And we'll have to wait and see if it does. And if it doesn't, Jeff, they'll make a few tweaks. A cu- couple of things here. One, the PGA Tour would say, uh, uh, boy, that's, that's a point we're trying to get across. And the other, they would push back on. But I think this about that, the, the, the lesser field. One is there is some value. There's some truth in. If you're a golf fan and you want to go out on Sunday to watch Tiger Woods, you can buy your ticket and know you're going out Sunday to watch Tiger Woods. You're, it's right. not going to be affected by what he does on on Thursday, Friday. Now, does that mean he's winning? No. Sure. A lot of people, you grow your game. You want to see him whether or not it's the best that weekend. But the second part is this, and this is a reality. Uh, Steven, I know you're in the industry and you see things happen that would make you dispute this. At the end of the day, 78 is too many for most of us to care. Nobody's winning the, the, the Arnold Palmer from, from the 79 spot today, this weekend. It's going to be Rory or Rom or, you know, it's like NASCAR, dude. There are 20 cars in the field every week. No one cares. They're just there to fill it up. PGA yeah, Tour, at the end of the I, day, if the big boys are being implored to play, the other guys aren't winning. Not, not, not number 80. Number 40 may get you. Number 80 is not beating these guys, but once every blue moon, I would contend. I, I, I agree with you, but let me ask you this. Uh-huh. A couple of weeks ago, Riviera, I'm sure you watched. Sure. Uh, Tiger making the cut on Friday. That was as compelling a day as golf as we've had For in sure. 2023. And there's been some great golf played in 2023. But that Friday at Riviera trying to make the slice, yeah. that was a very, very cool thing to watch. Tiger grind his way into making the cut. And second thing that happened that week, and that was a designated event, the second thing that happened that week is, yes, it ended up being Rom and Max Homa. But until the middle portion of the back nine, Nick Taylor pushed them. To me, the, the essence of sports is watching the greatest play and compete and win, but also get pushed by someone. Bob May pushing Tiger Woods. Okay, Nick Taylor pushing them a few weeks ago uh, at Riviera, you know, trying to get Max Homa. And John Rahm ended up coming up short. You're right. The, the big stars are going to win. And here's the other thing. The stars are why people show up. You know, the NBA has this big problem right now yeah, with load management. 100%. Okay? You know, one of my, my, we have one kid left in the house, and he said, man, Dad, I've never seen Damian Lillard play. I'd love to go Sunday night to go see Damian Lillard play against Portland because I might not ever get to see him again because I'm going off to college, that kind of thing. And I'm thinking to myself, sure. Now, you and I make a great living, Jeff, and we can afford to get tickets and we can go get, you know, buy whatever we feel like buying. But what if Damian Lillard doesn't play Sunday night and and a high school teacher uh, and his wife and their two kids spent all their money to see Damian Lillard play 
and it didn't happen. I'm not picking on Damian. I'm no, not I hear you. No, but it's it's a, what I'm it's saying is it's wide, about yeah. stars. So it's a league wide issue, and it, and in sports, sports is about the stars. It's about the the ratings are reflective of the fields in golf, and the and not just the size of the field, but the quality of the field. So yes, you want to see the best players play against each other more often, and it's awesome that they're doing that. That's why I say to people in the last 24 hours. Let's wait and see how it all plays out. Let's not try to be experts and say that this is right or this is wrong. Let's see how it works. These guys know best. And if it doesn't work, I think they'll adjust very quickly. I think the last four or five weeks have been fabulous. I wish they wouldn't go to anything less than 100 players and still have a cut. But to your point, Jeff, if you're coming into the players next now the players will always have a cut. If you're coming into the Bay Hill next year, and you pay all that money to come down to Orlando to see Jordan Speed, to see Jordan Speed, and you only have Saturday tickets, and he misses the cut. Yeah. Well, then you're then you're screwed. Yeah. And that that sucks. And I understand that. That's the nature of the sport. However, that's my biggest problem with this. Going back to the old school nature of, of this sport and all sports. To me, Jeff, don't hurt the integrity of the game. The beautiful thing about tournament golf at the highest level, full field and a cut. Now, there are no cut events, and there are events that have short fields. Kapalua for the winners only. Mm-hmm. End of the year in the FedEx Cup playoffs at the BMW, mm-hmm. there's only going to be 50 people, and then there's going to be 30 at the Tour Championship. I get all that, but man, how great is next week at the players? What, what, 145 guys, Yeah, there's a cut, great golf course, great yeah. field. Guys can come from nowhere to push. But most likely, stars are going to win. And to me, that's the perfect mix. But we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. I have another suggestion from from the way they are ramping up with these, um, we call them elevated, I guess, PGA Tour designated events. You know what it's doing? It's sharpening these guys. The top players in the world are all battling each other a lot more than we normally would have seen them battle each other as they go to the Masters or to the British or somewhere else later. That's also an interesting storyline. I think it's going to develop more and more as we go through the years. It's yeah, I agree with you. It's harder and harder to pick a winner. Way, it can only be good. Like for for people like me and you, or for anybody listening. Yeah, any it's a better watch. Yeah, watching, it is a better watch. Yeah. It's more fun to watch the best players in the world. Now you could make a case that Bay Hill, the Memorial, they've always Riviera. They've always been designated events in quotations. They didn't need the the purse and the field and all of those things to elevate the event. But look. It's 2023. Live Golf came in and pushed the tour. The tour's been around forever, and the tour hasn't been pushed much. And this time they got pushed, and a couple of players, notable players, took the bait and went. So now the PGA Tour had to react. And I think that they're doing a good job. If they get off to a slow start, maybe you could argue that. Who knows? I'm not in the commissioner's office. I can't imagine what Jay Monahan has been going through and all these players trying to make these changes. But I will say, Jeff, they have picked themselves up. They have extended their brand out and they're doing a really good job. And I'm not a PGA tour show. I don't work for them. I work for NBC universal. They've done a really good job kind of deciding and being decisive in what they want to do moving forward and also adjusting. Nobody likes change. Jeff. Nobody likes change. There have been changes in this sport that nobody saw coming 12, 14, 18 months ago, and now all of a sudden it's happening. Just let's see how it all plays out. I personally don't like the no-cut thing, but that's 
just a personal thing. Let's see if it's okay moving forward because it might turn out to be great. Because you're right, Jeff. People go to see people go to golf tournaments for two reasons. They go to drink, people watch, have fun, you know, slash, 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 and they also go to see the best players in the world. They're not there to see the 80th and 90th guy. If the 80th and 90th guy, Pross, happens to be in one of the last couple of groups on Saturday and Sunday with one of those stars, even better, even a better storyline. But stars rule sports. That's why the Lakers are always on TV, even though they stink. That's why the Jags will probably be on Sunday night and Monday night football next year, because now they're good, and now they are a, a product that people want to see with the combination of Peterson and Lawrence and then some of those pieces that they have there in Jacksonville. You know what I mean? Like, they, they couldn't get on Sunday night football before. Uh-huh. Well, guess what? Been a long time. Now they're, now they're going to have a bunch. to look. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're, they're really good. That's because they're good. It's not because of any other reason. Well, the PGA Tour pros, you know, some of those big boy names, they've referenced the NFL as their example. When you go see the Tampa Bay Bucks, you expect Tom Brady to play. If you if, if, right. if you consistently go to the NFL and their best players aren't playing, you're going to give up interest, and I think I credit these guys for at least uh, Bruce, NASCAR, recognizing that. You said NASCAR. NASCAR is the perfect example. If you're a NASCAR fan, you know, when, listen, when I used to do NASCAR, every race, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt, exactly. Dale Jarrett, Sterling Marlin, whoever you were rooting for, you knew they were going to be at that track. It didn't matter whether it was you know the white concrete or whether it was Talladega or Daytona. They were racing every single weekend. That means something to fans. That means something to sponsors. That means something to the structure of the sport. So you can't argue with the PGA Tour saying that we want the best players to be out there more often and playing against each other. That, that's inarguable. How they go about it, now that could be debated, and we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. But getting the best players in the world more often playing against each other can only be good for sponsors and for fans. All right, if and when we form the Drill Guest Hall of Fame, we will be putting first ballot Steve Sands. Play him out of here, E.T. We'll see you next you week say, up here. You say, you say that to all the girls. That's first ballot. You're the first guy. In fact, I'm even going to introduce you. Like, oh, man. I got some like stories you. to tell. Oh, <laughs> All right, man. We appreciate it. See you next week. See you next week. All right. Good. There you go. Steve Sands. Right. Go Jags. Uh, yeah. At the sea. Go Jags. My All man, right. they can read the room. Okay? I thought we was going to have a little uh, no, Dallas Cowboys situation. I tried to call him back on that. E. I tried to pull back the reins on that. All right. And then uh, he, he hit me with that, that Lakers shot. Uh, he didn't know, but that was a good one. I like that. I gave you a little look. Okay, he, he's getting a little proprietary about LeBron, his sore foot, and his Lakers. We'll come back and see what's trending. Put a wrap on today's extravaganza. It's a custom Tree Surgeons Thursday. All right, coming down the home stretch. Let's real quick see what's trending for you. It's brought to you by uh, Pet Paradise. Appreciate uh, Steve Sands. We've rescheduled Pat Dooley for tomorrow in the 8 o'clock hour. So that same State of the Union down in Gainesville land, uh, we will uh, offer up for you tomorrow. Uh, before you get going, I've been sent this. I mean, um, I've, I've called these times that we're tiptoeing into the idiocracy. I mean it. I mean, every day is just the, we're, the IQ drops like a tanking stock market. The IQ drops collectively a half a point a day. I mean, we're just a band of idiots, aren't we? All of us. But maybe I misspoke. Perhaps a better description would be silence of the lambs. 
Human skin jackets are now available to order online for $720. Oh, my. Feels just like a second skin. A jacket made of human flesh can be custom made for just $720. The creepy coats can be ordered online via the eBay account, The Flesh Crafter. I'm not sure if he's got like a 17-year-old trapped in a well throwing, you know, flannelin down at her. The seller who has not disclosed his real name says his coats are only made to resemble human flesh. They're not actually comprised of the real thing. I don't believe you, human skin jacket man. Go away. All right, let's hit the top five. Brought to you by Pet Paradise. They, I would say they're top five, only they're top one. For all your pet services providing needs, it is Pet Paradise. Number five. So the kiddos strike again, Jeffrey. Six-year-old twins almost purchased $800 in snacks. <laughs> They'll do it, man. They got the words out among the little... The, the toddlers, the toddler nation is aware the, now. The hey, man, this Uber Eats, have you done that? I got airheads and cheeseburgers. But the operative word there is almost. Okay. Because they ordered $800 worth of snacks from Instacart. And so when the parent went on social media and, you know, tweeted about it, Instacart saw the tweet and sent them all the stuff anyways for the free ski. Oh, you can't reward the youngins like that. You got to tell their parents. Somebody should be getting grounded, not getting $800 worth of, you know, um, now and later. What do kids eat today? Uh, they got Lunchables. Oh, they got, they got Lunchables. I, I can't fault them for this. They had 35 cases of Capri Sun. If you know me, I love you. Do they know what they're doing? I want this one. I want this one. I want 35 cases. Yeah, how do you, like, how do you know? Like, did they put in 35? Awesome. Good for them. That's awesome. Number four. Uh, another feel-good story. A sailor who was lost at sea, he uh, he survived on Heinz ketchup, Maggie cubes, and garlic powder. So once he was... Um, Sounds like he, he's trying to kill vampires or zombies. <laughs> right? Like, why did you have that? But he was found at sea, and Heinz bought him a new boat. All right. Well, it's pretty legit. Well, was he just floating around? How, where did he come from? What do we got here? Oh, let's see here. What, does what did my man do? I mean, how you just lost at sea? What does that mean? Is he lost on a little raft? Yeah, he's like like lost on a boat. Elvis. We once had these two dudes on here that, that there was an accident locally, and they floated around on a cooler for like six days offshore here. We had them in studio with us years Whoa. ago. That's what we do, man. Shout out to Drill. That's what we do. Number three. New Jersey man walks across the U.S. to raise nearly $100,000 for homeless veterans. Um, this gentleman from New Jersey successfully walked from the Atlantic to the Pacific, nearly 3,000 miles in 143 days to raise money and awareness for America's homeless veterans. They do that kind of stuff a lot. We see bike rides and coast to coast. And if you're doing anything above and beyond to help homeless veterans, I'm down with it. I'm More down power with it. to you. But I'm, good I'm, good I'm, for you. I mean, I'm probably not making that walk, though. No, I mean, if you're, but if you are and you can and you have money and you Absolutely. raise money for it and you also get, I'm sure that, I mean, see, to me, that's a lot more, uh, that, that's a that's a lot healthier walk to your spiritual journey than, say, a darkness retreat. Just saying. Larsa Pippen, back in the news again. Man, that don't take long, man. You drop her on me about every two, three weeks, I it know. feels like. It just is so What now? She left the uh, little Jordan... Uh, Jordan's son or no? No, she didn't leave him. She recalls the first time where she realized that she actually liked him. They were all at a party, at a bar, whatever, and one of their mutual friends was kind of hitting on him, and she was getting jealous. She didn't like that feeling. And then she's like, well, maybe I do like him. And so that's when she really started delving into her feelings, and Mm. then she decided to make it official. 
her and young Marcus Jordan. And the more I look at her, you're looking at her. You want to see if she passed? How old is Larsa Pippen? Fifty? I think she's fifty. What's the little Jordan? Thirty-four. Mid-30s, maybe? Eh, you know. I guess. She's not that pretty. It's man. hard to fit. She's not. Man. Well, I mean, you know, to each his own. It feels hard to to know what the motivation is. So I trust the motivation. I mean, you're doing it just to stick at the Scotty who they didn't end well, or you? Uh-huh. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I I got to worry about keeping Mrs. P happy. I can't worry about <laughs> Larsa and Marcus. Number one. This is it. The hottest story on the planet. Brought to you by Pet Paradise. Vanessa Bryant reaches a $28 million settlement with the L.A. County um, with the LA County over the helicopter crash photos. Um, for those who don't know, Kobe Bryant passed away in a fatal helicopter crash. And those who were on scene first were taking pictures. Yeah, just so. Golly, Crazy. man. Again, this goes in line. We had the guy, you know, we talked about these things today. I got Jalen Carter, a, a, a car full of his friends and coworkers and, and, and teammates, just leaves him there for two hours. I saw that video earlier this week from St. Louis where a dude walks up and literally loads a gun and kills someone right on the street in front of broad people. Broad daylight. <sighs> and it, I mean... People. And, and this is, you know, the people you're helping to entrust is a terrible, tragic, sad time, and you're exploiting it, like shooting off graphic photos of the accident. It's disgusting. Well, good for for Vanessa Bryant and her family. Um, Kobe Bryant is still missed till this day. That's for sure. And that is a guy, too, that whose legacy improved. His repu- everything glor- got more glorified for Kobe um, after passing. And, you know, it, he had, it, not to say that he hadn't, Established himself as a real go-to guy here for the rest of his career, right? He had he professional, likable, brand, everything. A good dad. Off the court, sad. yep. It's tragic everywhere, and you don't need it, you know, sent off with, you know, a photo attachments. That's what's trending. Brought to you by Pet Paradise. We introduce you to Jaguars today next. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL rolling with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, we carried the ball. We're in the red zone. Jaguars today takes over. We trust they will uh, jam it in. Tony, how are we doing today? What do we got? Uh, we got uh, Hayes Carline. We'll check in with nice. him from yep. the Combine today. Good. With uh, I know they've been going up there for several years, the Frangie Show has, but I doubt they've been in the building when something as big as the potential number one overall pick has a warrant put out for his arrest when the entire NFL world is all in the same building at the same time. And looking forward to hearing from him. So curious to see what exactly that environment was like. Uh, yesterday as that news was breaking in the building with Hayes, as well as what his reaction to what we've heard from Trent and Doug uh, this week. and That escalated quickly. We right. sat here yesterday just wondering if anything would come of it. Yeah. And by the end of the day, yeah, something like an arrest warrant came of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And our question of the day today, asking what is your current satisfaction level with the job that Jaguars general manager Trent Balky is doing? You yeah. can get, we got letter grade options for you. A, Balky Masterclass. B really solid, C adequate, D F still want them gone. I, I don't. I, when you nail the draft one year and the next year you nail free agency, not many nail them both all the time every year. But that's a smash class of 2020. It's turning out to be that that class is Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Tyson Campbell, mm-hmm. Walker. That's a that's a top three draft class in the history of the Jaguars. And then the free agency class last year. I mean, they've never had a better. I, I don't. That I can recall, they may have had one better overall player, but to get what they got, especially from those four pieces on offense, was remarkable. Yeah, 2017, so. 
would argue with yeah, you, right? I get it. With all the pieces they added to that defense, sure. yeah. But um, there's not many. No, no, it's right. top two. Or, he, he's had a top two or three free agency class and a top two or three draft class. I mean, so at some point, and I know that it's it's easy to be you know cynical about these cats. I'd go B if it were me. Okay, I'd go B. He's yeah. been he's you know, certainly better than serviceable. Is that what was C? Uh, C was adequate. Adequate. He's better than adequate. Yeah. I mean, we've you know. Trevor's helped a lot. Don't get myself. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jaguars today is coming up next. Y'all have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow to put a wrap on it uh, on a Friday. Uh, our Thursday program, as always, brought to you by Custom Tree Search. Bye, Felicia.